breaking news. Joe yeah, Biden like, is the 46th president, well, president-elect of the United States of America. Yeah, Joe Biden, the man that looks like uh, that looks like Jim Carrey under a, a heavy. Honestly, Jim Carrey looks more like Joe Biden than Joe Biden does. <laughs> I heard, I heard that like his performance on SNL is just like it's just Jim Carrey. Like, there's nothing particularly yeah. special to it. It's just, it's just. What if Jim Carrey was did, did on like Joe Biden. Uh, one? You know, yeah, was just Joe Biden, and that's it. Uh, yeah, breaking news as of like five days ago. I don't know when when people five will get this ago. thing. Well, like, thought, you know, I, well, I mean, we're we're recording the day after. Hello, by oh, the yeah, way, American right. Nerds. I am Raul. This is Victor. We're yeah. um, this is the, this is sixty. This is episode sixty-two point five. The director's talk, cut. Yeah, director's cut. Uh, editor's cut. We're recording on uh, November November eighth, twenty twenty. November. Yeah, I'm so tired. Um, the and yeah, sh- yeah. Uh, pre- pre- uh, President Biden, I guess he uh, he won he won. Uh, what was it? I think two uh, two hundred and ninety electoral votes right now. Uh, right now. I mean, as of as of now, from when I last checked, and he he's our new president elect, probably our new president. If this shit doesn't go to court, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Congrats. It's, uh, I guess it's nice to know that you know an election happened. <laughs> and that shit's over, at least. Hey man, if if everything if everything turns out, you know everything's all all Gucci and the Hoochie, You know he he's the president. L- l- love him or hate him, you gotta. <laughs> he's the big dog now, you know. <laughs> yeah. You gotta you gotta gotta support. You gotta criticize, but you gotta you know you, you everyone gotta remain united. You know. Also, never stop voting. You know, yeah. just because this was a really historic election. In terms of like a virus and, uh, you know, I don't even know if we're considered under like a new recession right now or if we've been in a new recession. Although I've kind of heard that that's the case, but I don't really know if that's actually true because I've just, you know, I'm, I've, I've watched too much news and I'm pretty tired and I haven't had much sleep. Yeah, but it's pretty, uh, you know, it, I think it, it's like, important. Me out. Yeah, I think it's important to know that like, you know, every voting counts, every voting uh, election counts. You know, it's it's literally the least we could do to do some research and figure out who's going to be the person who we think is the best person to, you know, lead not only our country, but also our states, because that's also important, too. So, yeah, that happened. Happy that's over with, honestly, because like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. What, what was it? Five days? It's been five days. Yeah, like a week. Counting Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Five days. I found yeah, out in a laundromat. Um... By the way. Um, here's some uh, parent updates on what uh, Biden's going to do for state of office. Uh, he will rejoin with the Paris Climate Accords, reverse withdrawal from the World Health Organization, repeal ban on immigration from Muslim-majority countries, reinstate DACA. Interesting. Hmm. So. Yeah, I, re- I heard about the Paris Accords getting, like, we, we got, we officially separated from it, like, a few days ago or something like that. Yeah. Like, as the election was going on, or probably on Tuesday from election, from election night. But, Yeah. Election week, as it's known now, that's over with. Uh, but our weeks, I mean, are still kind of going, but they're kind of over with as well. And we're going to talk about them right now because that's yeah. the second half of the show. That's what we promised you. And you guys at least need that and deserve that. How's they your week? Deserve shit. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, chaos. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Last two weeks have just been very stressful. 
in uh, my side of my side of life right now. Um, basically, like we have to we have to make a bunch of uh, a bunch of films now coming up and you know in, in this month. Uh, I'm working on a film soon, uh, helping a few friends out uh, with her, this really cool idea for for his short. Um, working on that soon. Uh, gonna be directing a music video pretty soon. Which nice. pretty excited about that. Um, with our fellow uh, fellow friend of the show, uh, Big J, <laughs> uh, Javi, as we know yeah. him, but you know Big J. Um, what's what what's God? I I saw him recently, and I asked him the same question that I'm about to ask you, but I completely forgot. It's like a it's an EP, right? Or no, a mixtape that you released recently. I believe it's an EP. The one that you did the cover for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I believe. I it's think a, it's a mixtape. Yeah. He told me uh well yeah well an ep is basically just like the the first thing he dropped was an ep did you see the uh the uh the meatball uh (laughs) meatball meatwad sorry uh meatwad from yeah uh, the meatwad cover yeah yeah yeah, that was like an ep that was just like a few a a few little like you know singles and then the full tape was in effect Um, okay yeah i did the cover for that and uh we're gonna be doing a video soon so um that's pretty exciting also i've been uh i've also been working on a short that i've been working on for the last few technically like almost two years but like i really really busted down hard on it um through the through the pandemic like when when this started um so yeah i'm working on that uh and yeah it's just been super busy uh it's gonna get busier now coming spring semester but uh whatever whatever days off i could uh i could suck up i i, I could suck up and uh and uh, give me give me some life force you know to, to watch some movies you know I, i'll take every opportunity um i feel you on that it's always good yeah. to suck up as much as you can you know yeah yeah, yeah. That's, yes that's, just, uh, that's still the way of life at this point oh we suck don't forget to swallow um <laughs> and <laughs> uh what about you what have you been well uh, no oh, okay is that it because i i thought you i thought you watched some stuff no yeah i did i did but i just want to know like how, how like how crazy is oh your, oh your in terms of like my my real life our real yeah. life oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's okay right now i'm in the midst of um working on a case report about shonda rhymes for a final project hmm. yeah um did you, did developer you behind did you pick her, or or was she? We we picked her, but she was always an interesting like person in the industry to like to to write about because yeah, for those of you who don't know Shonda, Shonda Lands, Shonda Rhimes, the person behind Grey's Anatomy, um, Scandal, How to Get, How to get, get Away Murder, Murder, Scandal, yeah, you know yeah. those stuff, really good shows apparently, and uh, I mean really um, successful shows obviously, but you know that that was an interesting topic that I wanted to write about, and that's something that's in the mist right now. I'm in the middle of finishing my research paper or finishing and editing my research paper for uh for for a professor that may or may not uh submit it like for you. awards <laughs> eventually hopefully if it's good enough for yeah. awards yeah i it's um it's this thing that that my school does at the end of the semester where they they like they just give out awards for people in my major for like the best paper or something like that Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I'm trying to get that because I I think it you know I think that would be a really nice thing on my reputation on my resume but also it's just something I'm passionate about and writing I'm writing about the economics in the video game industry 
And as someone who has talked about like the shitty undergoings of the video game industry on this show, that's something that I was really interested in in pursuing. Uh, it it's one of those things where, like you know how like you can't really go super super in depth on a project or like a research paper because it has to be because it's like caught under strict guidelines like oh okay this paper needs to be yeah no not even with structure it's like this paper has to be exactly 20 pages including a reference and cover page and all that stuff it has to be that nothing more nothing less so i'm writing i'm I'm writing uh the paper and at the same time i'm cutting content and putting it on another document that i could Mm -hmm. save for later because i know that like if i really wanted to put everything that i wanted to talk about on this it would probably be like probably close to thirty pages, <laughs> yeah. of length. and it's it's that's 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 a lot of stress to do right yeah. now, especially um, especially during a fucking tropical storm that we're recording on um, under right now. Which, by the way, your, ha- your roof oh, is leaking, right? Yeah, yeah, my roof is leaking. It sucks. Nice. I I was I was working the paper late last night, and I saw, I saw my, uh, for those of you who don't know, I record in my kitchen, uh, closet hybrid room that i have in my in my um small like apartment type of thing that i have here in my room it's like a small little section where i just cook and i i change clothes and in it there is a fan on the top and that fan was leaking hard as hell last night when i was typing as i was typing and i would just hear super loud noticeable drips of water hit the floor and i it was one of those times during the storm last night where the rain was like being pulled into a specific direction because of the wind. So the rain was pouring... Like, my fan was leaking even faster than it normally was the the past couple days. And my whole floor was soaked, and I had to get, like, multiple towels and, like... Was it, like, enough water... Was it it enough water to, like, like dip your foot in? No, no, no. Thank God. Nothing like that. But it was enough to, like... It was enough to see that there was just like a giant pile of water all over my floor, and I'm like, okay, I gotta clean this shit like immediately. Yeah, like yeah, I cut power to the to the fan right now, so it's a little hot inside. But you know, at least there's no water leaking at the moment. For I now. gotta, yeah, I gotta get a guy for that. So I'll figure that out as it goes along. Other I assume than that, your dad. I assume your huh? dad would do it. Um, probably, but you know, like my dad's getting older. I don't want him. I don't want to rely on him on you know doing all so much stuff either because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, realistically, like as 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 we get older in life, you know, I gotta either figure some of this shit out myself and fix things, or if I have the money, th- hopefully hire a guy who could do it for me and maybe hey not fuck it up. You know, once a That'd be nice. once a handyman, once a handyman, always a handyman. You know. No, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't. I don't think that I ever runs said it, that runs story in, that runs huh? in people's blood. No, I know. I don't think I ever said the story in the podcast, but there was a time where I had to help my dad out with um, a lot of jobs around the community where we would just fix ACs and given like 10 year old me, which I think you know, it was during middle school. So I may have been around probably like 12 or four, 12 or 13, 12 to 14 around that range. You you remember how I looked as, as a 12 or uh, to 14 year old. I, hmm. like, I was struggling <laughs> under the weight of carrying like a ginormous old AC, um, AC components up and down people's stairs, renovating a person's house, like doing all sorts of dumb electrical shit with my dad uh, for weeks on end. So I know I know what to do. 
but I don't want to do it <laughs> too. You know, if I don't have to do it, you know, I don't want to. But yeah, I, 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 I've gone through that pain and I know at least a little bit to, you know, figure some shit out. But yeah, that's something that's going on. I don't really know how much, how, how to work it with fans, but you know, hopefully I don't have a flooded room by the end of the week. Yeah. Back in the, so that's back in something. the day when the, back in the day when, when, when my family had the, ha, had the restaurant, I'd spend, mm-hmm. uh, spend the uh, days over there, you know. At a very early age, uh, whether it be, whether it be helping around, you know, taking stuff, you know, in and out, free or child labor, serving. yeah, literally, basically. Uh, <laughs> um, sometimes I'd like help my mom, like take some plates to the table, whatever, like you know. I don't really see it as like free child labor, even though it was. No, I know, I was like, joking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, kind of yeah. is, but uh, like, yeah. No, a hundred percent is, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's the family business, you know. It's it's the yeah. family. It's the family, you know. Uh, um, I used to also uh, back back before we had the the restaurant that you've been in. Um, we used to have a bakery. Well, not a bakery. It was more of a bodega, more of a bodega oh, where really? you could like yeah yeah we used to have like like uh, you 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 can um, buy stuff like in our little market cereal whatever any any groceries and then you could also walk over and like eat some breakfast you know my my grandmother used to like work the work the kitchen part of the of the bodega and then yeah. my my fa- my dad managed it and then my grandpa owned it so mm, okay so yeah and then i remember back 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 in the day uh i i used to just run around that that entire area go into the back room you know uh uh, steal uh, candy, you know, or like <laughs> just do, you know, just kid shit. Uh, working, uh, growing up in, in like work environment, in work environments was, was like a huge part of like my childhood. Yeah. Was, like a really big part of it. So I, I, de- I definitely get that. Um, oh, Matt, for, I want to say, <laughs> I, I remember when I was working with my dad during those times. I was like we were we were dealing with like some of the strangest ass people that we could ever imagine and people who we just like it, it was that and then people who we just like straight up did not understand at some points that was nice. kind of funny so there was a uh I don't remember if, I don't know if you remember the 2014 World Cup but there was a game there where Brazil gets obliterated and eliminated from the tournament by Germany and we were working that same day. It was a it w- it was a job where we had to move uh, an AC component upstairs because the AC was inside this guy's two story house, and it was one of those small stairs that's like very narrow. So we had to like have was a it like blanket. a townhouse, <laughs> kinda yeah, like one of those residential homes, but like kind of small, like smaller than a normal one that you would expect. But we went up the stairs. We kind of had like a blanket under the the sit the the component just so you know like it wouldn't slip or anything like that but it was like really really heavy we worked on that for probably i want to say maybe eight hours or something like that at least for like i think it was like fix it depends the the it it depends on like how well your house is i guess because because there are there are parts where like some things are just so outdated some components within the house are so outdated that you're probably gonna have to like wait until some things get done or renovated to you know fix it or um you know one of the normal things that me and my dad would do were was well my dad would do this basically because i would just watch but 
my dad would just check for parts inside the AC to make sure that all the parts are working smoothly. And they, we occasionally we would run into a, uh, a job where everything is running smoothly until like four or five hours in, we find out that the main thing in the center <laughs> is not working. The, the, the shit with the coils sticking out and all that. That's not yeah. working. So we have to go out and get like another one that actually matches that same model and yada yada yada. Hey, I anyway, we were we that that in that during that job we were working uh under the house of some Brazilian man there. Super nice guy. I don't remember much of him, but you know, I think he I think he gave us a sandwich or two while we were working and that was cool. Yeah, uh, usually when uh usually when we have people like over my house or like doing any uh doing any like handiwork or whatever my my dad likes to like offer them offer them uh offer them some water uh, you know make, make oh a yeah sandwich, it's, it's the least you could it's the least you could do if you have somebody yeah. working at your house and like killing themselves for like hours on end there i, I hate those people yeah. that are i hate those people that are like yeah they're getting paid whatever like bro that's come on. fucked up be some courteous be, be courteous come on he he's doing a lot of, like if he's doing good work for you and he's being a cool guy talking to you like offer him a sandwich or something Give him a beer. Maybe <laughs> the, not. But <laughs> Well, no, maybe not give him a beer. No, I know people who just don't work with beer. But, like, you know, give him a water. Give him a BLT. You know, like, it's not that bad. Like, and it's funny that we're talking BLT about this because I, right we, now, I know people who actually don't want to fucking do it. Or people who just are, like, scared of the people they hire. <laughs> and they don't want to, like, communicate with them. Which is even nah, dumber. Man. But, yeah, I, dig- I, I like digress. To, I, I like talking to people, you know? Yeah, like, same. Same. And, and it's it's nice to throw them a bone, you know? Maybe they don't even have water on them. Maybe they didn't bring anything. Maybe they thought they would just go there for like 30 minutes and dip. And then, you know, you realize that your house is fucked up and you can't really do anything about it. But yeah. with this job, um, the guy was nice. We got out of there. And the dude, <laughs> it was a really big, obviously, he was a really big Brazil fan. And on that day... We're looking at highlights and we're looking at some clips as the game is going on and they're getting destroyed by Germany, like just brutally nice. whipped by Germany. And <laughs> I think I do remember that. I, I do remember that. Uh, that cup. It wasn't it, it was like an awful, awful I think we went, game on Brazil's think, end. Oh, actually, no, never mind. Never mind. Yeah, but we're <laughs> we're we're doing that job and my. My dad and I, we get all the we already have all the equipment inside of the house, inside the car, and we're we're ready to leave. And the guy starts talking to us, saying how grateful he is, you know, for us like stopping by and talking a little bit about the game because my dad was really into soccer at the time, so was I, because we thought Spain would win. But hey, you know, that's those were the good times. And <laughs> the guy knew Spanish. The guy knew like clear, clear Spanish. But it was that type of Spanish that also sounded a little bit like uh, Portuguese. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's like South American, you know. Yeah, yeah. Of. But the thing is, as the conversation kept going, my dad speaking more Spanish. He was speaking more Spanish. And specifically, they were talking. And this is around the time where I just didn't understand what the fuck either of them were saying at some point. But obviously, I, I heard key words there. They were talking about Brazil. And they were talking about Brazil. And the guy gets super, super, like, heated. And then he starts talking to us in Portuguese about <laughs> about how like shitty the game was and how like uh, Brazil didn't deserve to be whipped as hard as they did. And me and my dad are looking at each other, just trying to figure out how do we even continue right now? Because <laughs> none of us know Portuguese. 
We just know, like, I know dirt Spanish. I know gringo-ass Spanish. My dad was born in Puerto Rico, uh, Puerto Rico and he's half Spaniard. So, like, he, he's he got that sort of twang to him. But that's yeah, a I whole have, nother twang that we have couldn't like, have handle. <laughs> I have, like, gutter Spanish. Like, <laughs> I have, like, gutter Cuban Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> Like, <laughs> like I was like, I make, pero yo soy a um, big fan de España, and the guys is going off like, pero Brazil, what, 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 and like just going, <laughs> going fucking nuts, wow, like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> just, just going off, and I don't know how to speak Portuguese. My dad doesn't know either, so we're just nodding our heads like, see. He's like, yeah, man. Si. I, I, I can imagine, I, I can imagine you know your dad saying? like, yeah, man. Okay, see, yeah, yeah. <laughs> by the time yeah, we get just inside trying to, the just car. Just trying to brush him off. <laughs> yeah, no, by the time we get into the car, we just start laughing. Because we're like, what the fuck is he talking about? I'm so lost. He could have easily told us to fuck off or something like that. But hey, at least we got the money before he he went off on in Portuguese. So that's something. Hey. Yeah. Well. <laughs> in short... Learn Portuguese, I guess. You know, it's not bad to it's not bad to be multilingual. In short, in short, uh, don't speak about uh, soccer with anybody that's foreign to your country because soccer is an international sport, and you will always find somebody insane enough to just go on a rants about it. Because Jesus Christ, the amount of fucking like, okay, Mikey, <laughs> Mikey is a perfect example. We have I a love we, Mikey. we have a close friend of the show, same as Mikey. Good man. He's what is um what's Mikey? He's Colombian, right? Is he no, Colombian? No, I think he's uh I want to say he's Venezuelan, but I can't remember. That man <laughs> is a <laughs> soccer freak. <laughs> yeah. He's born here. Yeah. He's born here, but that shit runs deep. <laughs> when you when like 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 a lot of sports like like for Cubans it's like baseball, you know? Like soccer yeah. is 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 a, is a soccer in, in general is just an international sport. You get those freaks that live and <laughs> breathe soccer. Like uh, you were in the soccer team back in middle school. You know, you I were. know. I was right were, there. It was you had the you you, you, you had the you, you had those legs, boy. Yeah. It was how, it was how, killers. How, it was killers who were all in for Brazil, and then killers who were into you know Barca and Real Madrid. Or you know one of them. He's Bar- Mikey's Barca, right? Is he? Uh, no, I think he was Madrid, if Madrid, I remember. Yeah. When when they were at their prime, like like yeah. say 2012 onward. Oh like, yeah. I think he was a Madrid guy. I was definitely a Barca guy because I I was in love with Messi and I was in love with like just I I I was in love with everybody who was on that team because they were part of the Spanish team and you know Sp- Spain won that year in the World Cup and you know that was a really big deal for me. But, you know, we, we would always get into rants about uh, games and whenever we would have a Clásico and, you know, I'd gloat about how, how how good our team is compared to the gutter trash that was Madrid. Hmm. And, like, he would get heated and I would get heated naturally. You know, that's yeah, just the way soccer, the sport soccer goes. Soccer fans scream at, scream at each other. Yeah. <laughs> I just say, I just say, in terms of Mike, because I love the man. But, like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a tame level of Spanish, of, of Spanish freak, of soccer freak. Yeah, when it comes to, when more, it comes to that. No, because let me, from, let me finish. It's let me in finish. good faith. Because it's in good huh? faith. That's that, oh, that's no, the yeah, thing. No, it's, it's in good faith. It's in good faith. If you want to talk about like chaotic, like neutral, evil. like co- towards chaotic evil, talk to a Colombian about fucking <laughs> about soccer, dude. They are n- wild about um, about talking about uh, about soccer. I mean, you know, Colombian soccer fans, obviously. But that shit is. It's I respect it a lot because it's super super passionate. But my God, it's it's kind of like 
all right, maybe I should, you know, maybe I should watch some basketball or something like that. It's that kind of like oh, I don't level know, man. of crazy. I don't know, man. The Miami, the Miami Chuds here, they get they get pretty heated when it comes to the Heat. They're super passionate, man. <laughs> well, I mean, especially this season and hopefully next season. I, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I, I think we this did season really was one of pride. <laughs> yeah, regardless of who, regardless of who won at the end of the day. You know the wrong people won, but still, <laughs> it, it, it was it was one of respect. You know, yeah. you got to respect the Heat for like actually sticking around there yeah. against all everybody saying that they weren't going to make it that far this season. So yeah, how what do you okay? So what'd you do for your week? What'd you what'd you watch? What'd you consume? What'd you read? Uh, uh, alcohol and tears yes. mostly. That's uh, a good one. That's a good mix. Very literal. healthy mix, honestly. Very literal. Not bad. Um, yeah. I mean, just licking uh, your cheek, huh? <laughs> just licking your cheek. <laughs> just like, I'm just, just, I'm just so plastered. I'm literally drooling. You ever get so drunk? <laughs> I got pretty drunk this weekend. Do you uh-huh. ever just get so drunk that like your head just starts falling? <laughs> like, like but you're your just head, like, like you just lose weight in your head. Like, like you're so like drunk and you don't know if you're just like so plastered or you're just tired that you start like kind of falling asleep. You kind of just start jolting back up, you know, just trying to stay no. awake. You wanna know the weird thing with me? My Well that was happening with me, yeah, yeah. No, I know, but like I, I, I don't I don't get like like tr- like super super drunk sometimes uh at times, but like when I have the times that I oh, have I, don't either. I think it's Yeah, no I, no I know, I know. I'm I'm not saying that you do. No, I, I'm saying to like, the audience. To the audience. I am no alcoholic. Oh, yeah. I can be an alcoholic. Very possible that I could be one day, but it's not right now. <laughs> let's hope let's hope not, you know? Let's always hope gotta not. hope for the best. Yeah, always gotta yeah. stay optimistic. But yeah. with with me, um, the times I've been like super trash or like drank a lot, I just get more energetic. Apparently, uh, according to my sister and my cousin, when whenever I whenever I'm with them at, at like a club or when we drink at um, Punta Cana, it was it's the. Do you want me funny, to tell you who you are when you're drunk? <laughs> well, no, you want. I'm saying like the closest <laughs> I've been described, the close the closest thing that's the uh, that people have described me as when i'm drunk is uh spongebob in the in the bar scene from the movie where he's just like wait like fucking like apparently i sing a lot and i go like very apparently i'm very extra when i'm drunk yeah, that's and that, that's yeah yeah that's that good. sucks that, that, that's a good uh that's a good way to put it i mean yeah you're, you're not you're not a bad drunk you're not you're not i'm not you're, i'm not you're, thank god you're but funny it's like, you're hilarious you are uh you want to know the weird thing about that? Okay, like, I take it as a compliment, but when my sister tells me, oh my god, you're so hilarious when you're drunk, for some reason, the first thing that popped up in my head was like, what the fuck do you mean, bitch? But am I, no, fuck you. <laughs> no, it's like, okay, not bad, but am I, am I always funny? Like, <laughs> like I start thinking like, wait, am I just fucking boring? <laughs> like, as a, as a sober person? Nah, man, everyone's funny suck? when they're drunk. Yeah, I know. Everyone's, like, hilarious when they're, when they're drunk. I just, I remember hearing that the first time, and it's like, whoa, I must be a shitty person, like, without any alcohol, I guess. But, uh, no, I, nah, I learned nah. I learned that wasn't the case, obviously. Nah, w- with me, it, it's more of a thing Hopefully. that, like, <laughs> with me, it's more of a thing, like, when I get drunk, I'm, like, I just start dancing. <laughs> I, I do, start, too. I, I do yeah, too. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially like let's say where like where we go out whatever, uh, and you know I'm 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 feeling pretty good and start you know just start shaking you know just uh, yeah do your thing. Uh, um, to be honest, I like I I barely ever to be honest I barely ever get drunk like I only ever really drink when it's like 
social occasions like i don't yeah. really like i don't really like chill and drink wine even though like even though like that is nice it's like a nice little treat you know especially for like like my like like our parents whatever long day of working sit back watch tv drink some wine you know that's like that's like the, the, that's a nice little uh did you have you seen those tiktoks recently it's uh it's the sound from inglorious bastards it's uh christoph waltz uh, drinking the milk it's like it's like oh no sorry from django it's he's drinking the beer it's like it's like a reward. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen. It's basically, that's kind of like sometimes how I treat, like, that, that's sometimes like how I treat, like, like alcohol sometimes or like treat or my parents treat it. Like sometimes, yeah. you know, if I'm like just really tired, whatever, like, hey, maybe, maybe I'll pour myself so, like, a, like a nice little, some red wine with, with a little bit of Sprite in there. Not a little bit. I go, what? yeah, I, 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 my go-to is like white wine or a rum and Coke, sometimes a rum cranberry. Or rum cram cherry is what I is what I go for, and it's it just feels nice, you know. It just can it just I make goes a recommendation? Can I make a recommendation? What? Get white cranberry juice. Yeah, I've tried that too. White it's cranberry really juice good. is literally ca- uh, Capri Sun. It's literally Capri Sun. Super good, bro. It's amazing. I really like it. It, it it's fun because I, I I have never like there's only I'm probably like probably been like three th- occasions where I've been like super plastered drunk, but it's funny. I like I'm I'm short compared to you, and we're kind of heavy set guys, you know, we're big boys. to say the least. Yeah, we're able to hold our alcohol pretty well though, for the most yeah. part. When it comes I mean... to a lot of it, like it, it's it's shocking to me how much I've drank one night uh, on on some nights, and like I just feel fine. I like, like I, okay, like, yeah, I don't that's feel tipsy or anything like that. Yeah, like it, I'm it's, not gonna. It's crazy. I'm not gonna. It's like, probably because like, I space lie. out a lot. I, I space I... out my drinks a lot, so which is probably like, another thing. When I when I do get like really really drunk and that only really happens like it, it happened specifically this weekend because of a special occasion and then like it's happened before like you know different weekends like yeah. you know it, it'd be like parties or whatever with me I know how to handle myself like I know like when to stop and I know when to like start steering off uh, the righteous path uh, <laughs> um, uh, usually like yeah like yeah I'm a big guy I'm like I'm like around two thirty five two forty I'm a six one I'm a big dude um, yeah like it's when I start drinking, I feel like, you know, I can handle myself pretty well. Uh, when it comes to beer, I can get like a, a lot of beers in and I'm, I'm fine. Uh, shots, you know, it starts getting a little trickier for me. I'm not like with liquor. You ever had jello so- shots? Huh? You ever had jello shots before? Oh fuck dude. Uh, we went to a, we went to a party like, uh, a month ago and, uh, our, um, our friends, they made a, made a jello shots. The red ones. It's like tranquilizer dots, bro. The red ones were filled with rum, and the white and the blue ones were filled with vodka. The blue ones were literally ice cubes. Yeah, <laughs> it's really I I I I'm I'm always impressed by the decoration of it. But man, that shit can take you out like a tank if you if you if you don't handle it well. You know? Yeah. Um. It's just funny because yeah. I'm five I'm five six, and apparently that's like very very short for a man. But whatever, I gotta live Jesus. with life. Man, that's <laughs> hey man. No, it's hey. Man. I'm the same height as critical, so that's okay. You hey know? man, you're fine. Hey man, you're you're fine. Five six chads, all the yeah. way. Hey, thank God. That shirt. I have that same huh? exact shirt. That shit's hard. <laughs> yeah, I think it's my dad's shirt, but I, I I've just been stealing his clothes from the laundromat. Apparently, that's what he tells me. But then again, he takes my socks, and then my sis my sister's been taking my socks, and I can't really do anything about it because I'm like half asleep at like nine in the morning, and I don't have class until noon, and I look at it, and I'm like, stop. But she like she just grabs like five or six and just runs out of my room, but 
was I going with this? But yeah, like, uh, like according to what we've known over the years or what we've been taught over the years, like, the, like the the thinner you are or like the shorter you are, apparently that has to like a big difference into you know how you should consume alcohol. But, oh yeah, hundred percent. If yeah. you're like if you're like one hundred and ten pounds, like five four, you know. A few shots is gonna hit you. Oh. It's gonna hit you. Be- it's gonna hit you way more than like a linebacker. You know. Well, like, I mean, we had a we had a buddy who literally was like as thin as a stick, and like he would take like a sip of beer, and like I remember cradling him in my arms because he was already plastered. Some of our yeah, some of our <laughs> friends they some of our friends. Uh, oof, oof. <laughs> yeah, no, it, yeah, like it's it was it was like it's kind of impressive in a way, but it's like damn, that's that's insane. Yeah. You know, and I remember like when I when when I found out about that, it's like, oh, okay, since I'm short, I'm probably gonna end up being more drunk, you know, or like easier to to get like drunk faster. But uh, apparently, that hasn't been the case, you know. And yeah, I I I spa- I always space out my drinks whenever I go out drinking because it's like, I don't, I'm not the type of person that just goes right in, you know, starts guzzling shit and you know, throwing it into my mouth. Like I, I like to space stuff out and really savor a taste, especially when it's like good beer or when it's like a good wine. Yeah. I don't really gun it out, but I like feeling like a nice little buzz. When I when, let's that say too. like I'm at yeah. let's say like I'm at like yeah like we're at the club or like we or, or like recent, we went to a brewery recently. Um, yeah. Like if we're like you know uh, if if like we're around people like I like uh, uh I like uh I like um fuck I lost my train of mind. Sorry. Uh, I like uh feeling like you know just like a, like a nice little buzz. Maybe I'll drink like a. Maybe I'll drink like a beer or two, or maybe just get like one, or two, like one, or, like one or two drinks, you know, like re- like relatively quickly. But mm-hmm. after that, like I, I, yeah, it's definitely spacing out. You know, after that, it's I'm just like sipping. You know, uh, yeah. I, I I like me my my minty lemon limey drinks. I I, I think mojitos, I get like my mar- oh, margaritas. Yeah. I love oh. them. I love them. Mojitos. Mm. Yeah. My mom loves margaritas. She got me into them recently and. Like uh, you ever you ever had the Chili's margaritas that they have there? Yeah, they're really. I mean, yeah, oh, that, that's man. what they're known for. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but like, oh, talk about fancy! That shit's great. Talk about fucking say, just pure sugar. <laughs> that too, that too. But yeah. well, you know, whatever. You got to live a little. Yeah, it's uh, alcohol. Yeah, it's <laughs> so alcohol. You're getting fat either way, so. <laughs> yeah, we're all gonna die. Yeah. Uh, well, what was it? Um, for me, I think it's kind of like a placebo effect. Where like I used to start drinking, it is a lot and I of the time. Feel good, you know. No, yeah, it is a lot of the time, definitely. Like, like you, like when you have a drink in your hand, like in a social setting, you have like I, I, I don't know. It's like it opens up almost like a gateway for conversation with a lot of people. Like hey, you're standing around drinking a beer, you know, start talking. Yeah. You feel with a, uh, like with a beer in your hand. I don't know, like maybe like there's some science backing this up, but like you almost feel more confident, you know, to just like start a conversation with people or like you know, hey, what are you guys drinking? You know, what's up, like. You know. you know, it's always a nice sign of like, you know, uh, of it's getting social to know butter. people. That's what it is. It's social yeah, butter. Yeah, no, it is. It is. Especially when you go up to somebody and you just like, you see that they have the same drink as you. I've made friends who I've literally found them like just sharing the, like having the same brand of drink that I have and being like, hey, nice. That's what's up. And I clink. I give them a clink with their bottle. Start making out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 no, yeah, we just become, uh, we just start talking uh, yeah. in that sense, and that's just that's just cool. I, I I feel that. You know, this may not be a good example, but I think that's probably the same. I feel like that's the same case with like, with smoking. I've never smoked in my life, but like I I've seen, I've heard people talk about it, who have like either done it before and like quit, or like people who you know do it occasionally, and they say like there's nothing more like rebellious or more like 
comforting than just taking a moment to just take a drag and just like not give a fuck about anything. I wouldn't like, I, I guess that's yeah, what, that, like I've heard that sentiment like re- being repeated like multiple times throughout my life. And like, I kind I can kind of see that, you yeah. know, I, I've smoked before. I have, to, I, yeah. I have, um, like it's, it, it's, it's definitely more of just like where you come from and like your background, you know, if like you like, like my family and like your, your family, including like, we come from like backgrounds, like where those, those kind of things are heavily demonized, you know, that's not, you know, it, like just like mentioning like you know the M word, like marijuana. Mentioning that, uh, you know, in in front of like my traditional Cuban mother, my tradition, my heavy traditional Cuban grandmother. It's like it's like it, it, I'm basically shooting them in the face. That's what I'm doing. You know, like <laughs> it's it, it's like it's a like, the, the, it's a pretty common thing. And like when you're like away from something like that for such a long time, when you're finally like in like vicinity of it and you're finally experiencing what it, it's definitely it's definitely a a both soothing and like uh it, it could feel very uh uh anxiety filled as well because you know it, it's it's a very new thing and, t- and typically with like smokers if you know if, if you're not if you're not particularly like used to smoking like the first few times you're gonna get you you get high it, it's gonna it's gonna definitely like it could give you anxiety paranoia and the typical you know typical stuff like the you hear from uh, weed smokers, but uh, it definitely is like it, it definitely is like a. Well, I wasn't thing, talking obviously. about like weed smoking. I, I was just saying like smoking in general. Oh well, yeah, smoking yeah. in general too. Yeah, well, I was talking. I was I was talking about weed. Yeah, as well, oh, okay. but like just in general, like um, um, it it, it it's like it, like I said, like it. it it all depends on how you use these kind of things. We're we're getting into like a like a dare uh, podcast now, <laughs> but. You know, in the end of the day, like I, I, I don't demonize anybody who like, who you know, who heavy drink or heavy smoke or anything like that because it, it, in the end of the day, like it is your health. You, you are hurting yourself by doing it, and you should fight. You should fight it in yourself to be healthier and use it responsibly. You know, because yeah. in the end of the day, you're not only hurting yourself, you're hurting people around you. If you if you uh, abuse things like alcohol, you know, and like you know, start doing drugs, you know, that's that's it's it's common. I, I'm speaking to like choirs here, you know, like I, this is common knowledge, but like, well, I mean, some people just didn't know. Some people, yeah, know? some some people, and like just, depending on the context, some like that's just for some people, that's just all just they kind into of it. know, like you just of how to relieve it. stress, you fall yeah, into yeah. it, or it's just like that's just the way, like that's just the way that people just you know. Um, alleviate tension from themselves. You yeah. Know? Like my dad, yeah. my dad, um, my dad quit smoking, I want to say like 20 years ago, mm-hmm. you know? And like, he told me that was his thing for a while because he just didn't know. But, you know, he, he decided to just, you know, take a stance on his health and, you know, not, and focus on other ways of just relieving stress and relieving tension. And, you know, that's where he got into like boxing for a bit and he, he, he started getting into just um, uh, reptiles and stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know, and just, and taking care of animals, and, like, it's, it always depends on, like, a, a common solution, and obviously this isn't the case for everybody, but, you know, it, there's always another way to relieve that, you know, level of stress in your life that doesn't necessarily have to kill you, you know? As or long as you, you don't... Know, directly. As long as you don't, in my opinion, as long as you don't use those things as, like, an antidepressant, and you don't use those things to, like, like kind of cover and put a bandage on, like, wounds that you need to fix on your own in a sober state oh, of yeah. mind. 
it, you know as long as you don't use it like uh, again it's social butter it's 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 it, it, it's it's all fun and games you know it's it, it's all cool and everything everything could be lighthearted, but again have to be responsible with it yeah and that's and that, that that obviously just goes with everybody doesn't matter how long you've been drinking or how long you've been smoking you know um, the more you know the more the, yes, i mean I, <laughs> right, right, I'm pretty sure we're. I'm pretty sure we're not the most informed when it comes to like, uh, like addiction and like, uh, and well, I mean, uh, all not. the we're aspects two, of it. We're two twenty somethings from fucking Miami Dade. <laughs> oh well. Uh, oh, but, hey, hey, no, wait. I okay, I disagree there, man. There's a no, there's no, a I'm, lot of joking. people our age, joking. especially in Miami Dade. You know. Like, oh no, yeah. That that some people. It's I, bad, I don't know. Bro. There's people that we know that clearly are suffering, and it's just it, yeah. You know, yeah, it's. Bad. it's you, sometimes you just got to remind people that you know yeah there's other ways to 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 you know get that feeling never, away never demonize yeah. always support you know oh yeah always yeah. Yeah. i was gonna say uh what do we watch <laughs> <laughs> yeah Where we kind of went to a tangent there but honestly i think that was a nice conversation good conversation yeah, you know? yeah it's not bad some, some yeah. extra some uh, extra content out there some yeah wholesome radio wholesome That'll radio be, uh, yeah that's the name for this week that's the title for this week uh you saw borat one Sixty-two point five, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I guess, yeah. The, like, we'll talk about. Uh, well, Borat two came out a few. Yeah, uh, we're gonna talk about that in a bit. Weeks ago, like a week, two weeks ago, yeah. Like two weeks uh, and ago, like, yeah. Uh, coming up, you know, coming up to its release, I was just like, hey, fuck it, you know, it's been fucking years since I've seen the first Borat, and I'm just like, hey, you know, let's 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 give it old, let's give it old rewatch, see how it holds up. Is it still as good as I remember? And it's honestly better than I remember. Yeah, um, it's, it's that that's one of those comedies that just ages like fine wine. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like especially for being like, especially like it, it's both for being a time capsule and talking about a very specific time in American yeah. history where you know it, it's it's post nine eleven. You know the Bush like the everybody had very strong opinions of like the Bush administration and just like Republicans in general. You know it's. Like, Sasha Baron Cohen kind of came in, and he kind of he perfected his whole shtick uh, from the Ali G show. Really interesting enough, uh, you've seen the Ali G show, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I, um, I think I went through like the first season or something like that. I I, um, I, I was watching a bit of it. Yeah. Borat and Bruno, they are characters from the Ali G show. They yeah. Are, yeah. They're, they're, this is something he's been working on forever. Since yeah, the yeah. 90s. The, these are people like that he's been working yeah for working on for uh for years, and he he. He, he knows them very very well and he perfected his own art of of uh what would we call Sasha Baron Cohen stick it's um what would we I call wanna it? say I want to say invasive comedy but I don't know if that's a, an actual term like it, it's the same it's he the same thing the that Eric Andre does right now which is yeah you yeah. know disturb the shit out of anybody for a really funny laugh and you're 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 able to go as far Far, you're you're able to commit to the bit as far as you humanly can to make to make it really work you know that's 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 how i describe sasha baron cohen like not just in borat but just as a fucking comedian throughout his whole career do you remember the do you remember that acceptance um that bafta video where i think he won like an honorary award that was given to him by like an old man, some like really an legendary person in the industry, or yeah, an old lady or something like that, in a wheelchair, and he yeah. pushes her off the chair. <laughs> it looked like she just died. 
the comments of that video are fucking hilarious because <laughs> there's like, like the top comment it's like uh, a greatest joke of all it was real and Sasha Baron Cohen just got away with murder you're dead yeah talking about Borat like it really holds up like a lot like there's it has the perfect mix of hilarious face value satire with deep deep thinking like introspection on like it's it's topics you know like it, it really like it really exposes a lot of i wouldn't it exposes american people it exposes a lot of the uh uh bigotry that's still like pretty like uh apparent today and back then and he kind of just got them to just say horrible deplorable shit in front of cameras wow and- yeah yeah, saying? well, I'm just gonna say, like, in comparison to like Borat two, in ways that just feel, or I think are actually like as realistic as it could possibly be captured, like in in, in those scenes. Because, like, it, the 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 craziest thing about a lot of things in Borat is that a lot of those things are not scripted. Those are real people out there who say these things, and they were just like, it was just super wild to consider that at the time, and you know? and like. Now Sasha Baron Cohen like comes like he he really comes like at an issue where this shtick the the uh, constant eyes on you uh, mentality that a lot of people have nowadays it's really hard to like get those kinds of reactions now because everybody has a phone on them everybody has a camera nobody wants to everybody look like knows a fool. Borat everybody knows Borat <laughs> if, like, literally, they literally walk into a Halloween store in Borat too with. Uh, <laughs> With a uh, and they point out a costume that says foreign reporter or something like that. It's just it's the same fucking costume. I love that shit. It, it it's funny. Okay, so like I I assume we're probably gonna just talk about both movies at this point because I I I I'm with you. I I think Borat One is one of my favorite comedies of all time. It's one of the funniest fucking movies I've ever it's great. made. And like it's 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 got that timelessness in the sense that. It is something that like you could never really get from anywhere else. Where it, this is like real people saying real things, and like you're getting actual real reactions from you know f- uh, from people throughout these ridiculous stunts, and it doesn't feel like it's some part of it. Doesn't it? Doesn't it's a mockumentary, but it's not. It doesn't feel like that at some point, you know. Like some things feel like they're actually properly documented, as in the case with. Um, What's it? As in the naked man fight, <laughs> the naked um, fight. That's I know his name. that shit is not scripted at all. <laughs> and that, and yeah, that they thing... literally just ran into a Republican uh, meeting or something, right? A Republican uh, or a well, Christian, in Borat uh... two they did that, but I don't remember if that's the case in in the first one. Oh, when they after when they were doing it's the like naked a ballroom fight, where, a, yeah, event. It, 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 a ballroom event of like probably some like the conservative Christian uh, people, like probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, going in like yeah, like like from going in from Borat to Borat two, again like it, he did have to face these like extreme challenges of being so recognized and his stick being kind of being kind of uh kind of like over and done with like on YouTube because like that's that's a lot of what like Sasha Baron Cohen does is like kind of what we see on YouTube you know like like just a oh, lot, yeah. lot like those uh, quote unquote social experiments uh just w- walking around harassing people um. <laughs> The way Sasha Baron Cohen does it, though, he does it in a way where he's not—he's not directly evasive with a lot of it. I guess there's a, there's a certain level 
there's a certain level of respect Sasha Baron Cohen has to like the people he's harassing, <laughs> the the people he's like you know uh, doing the shtick with. Like he's not gonna go too far. He's gonna let the people dig their own grave, you know. Yeah. And yeah, but- and like that's something that he uh he continued in the second one definitely. He kept it up. Um, he kept it up with his like antics and the jokes. Um, um, and, and he really was able to find really interesting ways into manipulating people and in, into getting into these scenes in, in in ways that are just way harder. You know, it's not something he could have done. Uh, it's not something he could have done. Well, I'm sorry. It bor- the first Borat can't be done today because of just yeah. the like, just like the you know the the whole shtick. It, it's overdone. Uh, and I and feel the thing like. Is, like- he brought some uh, more life into it, and he he yeah. did everything. He did everything in a way that I'm not gonna say it was all perfect because I really didn't like a lot of the scripted, the lot of the scripted stuff. But you could tell that they were everything scripted. Felt natural. That, that's what I was going to yeah. add on to that in Borat too. You could tell that some shit is like definitely fake or scripted. Like there is no way for me. Like, and this is just like minor spoilers for Borat too. That you're going to a guy. Who is working on a on a in, in a fax office? I guess he just runs fax machines, and he's just sending. He's he's describing and sending these like death threats and like seriously heinous shit to this other person in Kazakhstan, or Kazakhstan, and and, and like believe that that person is actually and like not in on the bit. No, yeah, you know, that's with, you, well, you can tell that, that's like uh, Cohen's on. Yeah, you could tell that's hundred percent like like you know like he, he was in on it or something. There are definitely points where the scripted stuff you could see through, and then like yeah. the scripted the scripted like uh, uh, narrative plot uh, points they didn't really jive with me either. Like they they try to go more of a more of the bad grandpa approach where there was a there's a grander story than there was in the first Borat because the first Borat's kind of like kind of put together. Uh, this one there's definitely more structure. And there's definitely a uh, a a path they're following you know i will say it's not without its its um its successes though because i want to uh, let me bring up her name because the person who plays yeah. borat's daughter in this movie is a fucking star who the person maria baka bakalova i think this is like she's been in some she's from bulgaria but man it's impressive to me when you have someone who it's it's a it's kind of a smart thing to do if you're approaching if you're going to if if uh, going into making a Borat sequel, because obviously everyone knows Borat or a lot of people in the country know Borat, so he can't really do all the things that he can do, you know, from like the last time around. So one of the solutions obviously is him, you know, going into different disguises. But even then, like his disguise, like his accent, like it's exactly what we described in the new um uh, in the news a few weeks ago that it's like Borat as Sasha Baron Cohen as another person, and you could still hear that accent. And he's like, how the hell can you, you could tell? How the hell can you believe that this person's not real? But in the case of Borat's daughter in this, Tutar, that's it. Tutar uh, is her name. She, she's just as in as Sasha Baron Cohen is. And the and the perfect thing about it is that nobody knows who she is, so she's able to get away with a bunch more heinous shit. And it it and for a lot of it, it works. And it makes it feel, I don't know what is, you know, with her scenes in particular, I don't know what is actually real and what's not, but, you know, it makes it feel really real. Like the fucking... No, the commitment. The commitment the commitment is The commitment is strong in her. Just as strong as Baron Oh, Cohen, yeah, I definitely. 100%. She, like, she, like, 
in terms of of like putting the movie on her on, on her on your back she was able to like she was able to keep it up like the entire honestly Borat could have showed up in just the beginning and the end of the movie and the rest of the movie could have been her yeah no she's she's a straight up like breakout star with this yeah she's like, great it's insane and fucking I gotta say I think I've never laughed harder at anything this year than the fucking fertility dance oh dude that was <laughs> fucking... dude that is amazing yeah revolting that was great like oh man she just does not give a fuck and it's just it's everywhere you know i don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it yet but my god it's one of the funniest things i've seen all year with yeah, that this, with that sequence alone is fantastic this is this is a good movie borat 2 was a really good movie but it, I, it was. I, I obviously yeah, i don't think i just say it wasn't without it its problems hold, yeah yeah it doesn't hold a candle to the first one i don't think the first one is a very specific time capsule of perfection that we're only gonna get once in a blue moon you know like it, yeah uh but borat 2 but in terms of just being a sequel and following it up it did good it did good it didn't it didn't uh step over anything it didn't uh didn't uh uh outwardly offense well it's probably gonna offend a lot of people but like it didn't well, uh, no it did offend it w- a lot of people <laughs> yeah yeah um it, it it wasn't outwardly offensive uh to the uh to the first to one. the people who love the first one yeah yeah. yeah, it was consistent I gotta with say, the first one, which is which is good. Yeah, good. and literally that's all I wanted. That's all I could have asked for. Didn't have to be it, perfect when it came to that. I it didn't have to be, it perfect, to be perfect, but I wanted it to be good, you know. Yeah. And it ended up being good, which I was surprised at. And like that's the best thing I could say about it. Uh, one last thing before we move on on that, I want to talk about. I want to ask you something about Borat too. What do you think? Do you think the Rudy, Rudy Giuliani thing was staged, or do you think that shit actually they actually caught him in that weird shit? Well, because there's this okay. whole there's this right, whole okay, thing right. that I'm hearing that like. Like, it's edited in such a weird way that it feels like it's not actually happening. But then, like, you see, like, some of the footage of him, like, fucking touching his dick. <laughs> like, okay. It, it right, feels okay. really weird. You know? I think it's important. I think it's important with the Rudy Giuliani thing to, like, really, like, like, really, like, lay it out, like, what happened. So, basically, like, oh, fuck, I, I, this, this would be spoilers for, spoilers for Borat, too. So, if you don't want to, if you don't want to hear anything, just skip ahead in timestamps. Um, yeah. The, with the Rudy Giuliani thing... Um, he was definitely, I think it just, it just comes down to him being just a creepy old man, you know, who thought he was drinking scotch with a 15 year old reporter, you know, went to the other room. He allegedly had to tuck in his shirt, tuck in his shirt, you know, lay back and, you know, put in his shirt and, you know, do whatever he needed to do. And that's what he claims happened. And kind of when we, we were hearing about this, it was like. It was kind of being, uh, it was kind of being framed as if like he was jerking off in front of her, like he was like you know like just fucking just wanking it, um, yeah. And that wasn't the case. That wasn't what happened. Um, like I think the, I think the general, I think the general like image of like what it uh, of what uh he was doing with her, I think it was a little misconstrued because you know he wasn't he wasn't outwardly you know taking his dick out and like trying to fuck her. He wasn't outwardly, you know, doing, he was just being kind of a creepy old man, you know? It just, it's and, weird because the movie presents it as if it's, if that's the case, you know? Yeah. And, I and think, like, that's definitely, that's definitely in like the, just the framing of like, just what, what Sasha Baron Cohen is trying to do with Borat because he's trying to yeah. get like the best reaction possible. You know? He, the other thing was yeah. like, I, I don't remember, but I think, I, I, I think they don't tell... Yeah, I, I think he doesn't know, or the story that I've been hearing is that he didn't know that um, Maria Bakalova was um, 
well, the character that Tutar was uh, underage. But like as it was happening, there was a moment where you hear like Sasha Baron Cohen just break out of character. Like you hear a voice from outside, and it's just his. No- I think it's just his normal voice, just screaming, "Yo, she's fifteen. She's fifteen. Stop!" And it's no, like, it wasn't. It's crazy. No, no, it wasn't that. It was, uh, it was, uh, she's a too old. She's too old. Come fuck me or something like that. Like, no, wasn't like, that? No, I think he says that later. But I remember hearing that, like, because I was watching it in captions. Somebody says there that he's, uh, she's, um, that she's underage. Oh, she's I, 15. I, I thought it. I, well, I, I thought he was he was doing that in character. So he probably yeah. he probably did say something like that, but in character. Oh um, shit. Hang on. Um, I don't know if you want to add on. Uh, do you want to add on any more to this um, Borat story? Because I'm good with Borat. Just, I just oh, okay. We're good. Yeah, no. Borat yeah. one masterpiece. Borat two, not bad. Seek it go out. Watch if you it. Can. Go watch it. Go watch both. It, it, it'd be a good. It'd be a good little marathon. Yeah. Uh, no. Um. I we have some breaking news right now. I mm. figured I'd I'd say this now because uh it's pretty unfortunate. Alex Trebek Alex Trebek just died. At age eighty. Oh, Jeopardy. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Jeopardy host. Oh, oh fuck, damn. Jesus. Poor man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, fuck. I just got the notification right now. After, like, I can't remember what cancer he had, but he was battling it for a while, and he was publicly talking about it. Pancreatic I don't know cancer. if it's actually... I don't know if he passed away from complications with it or... It was uh, it was pancreatic cancer. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, legacy that man yeah. had. It's horrible. Rest in peace to him. I just well, I, I I just saw that right now. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Right. Damn, that's a shame. Yeah. It's a um, yeah. hard, hard to transition from that, but you know. No, I know, obviously, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you know, I, I figured we'd, we'd say that we'd just bring that up for a minute. Um, oh, um, what else did you watch aside from from Borat one and two? Well, I, we also well we'll, we'll match Mandalorian a bit, but uh, yeah, we did see Mandalorian, but. Uh, I also started a show, a uh, show we've been talking about that we actually talked. Well, that I actually talked about in episode, uh, episode sixty-two, the first half of this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in, in the the theatrical cut of uh, that episode, um, we talked about uh, a show I watched called "We Are Who We Are." And um, if you didn't catch the last episode, which I don't know why you wouldn't, because this is literally point five. Uh, we are who we are is <laughs> the new show on HBO Max um, by Luca Guadagino. Uh, and if you don't know who Luca Guadagino is, Luca Guadagino is the director of Call Me By Your Name, Suspiria, I Am Love, The Staggering Girl, A Bigger Splash. One of the best characters working. He's a fucking a fucking god. This man is <laughs> pretty good <laughs> guy. Pretty good, he's, he's pretty good dude. Pretty, pretty great dude. And yeah. uh, and he's directing this entire show. And the show stars Jackson and Glazer, Francesca Scorsese, uh, Tom Mercer, and Chloe Sevigny, and Kid Cudi as well. Uh, and it's about Jackson and Glazer, who uh, he lives on a he he moves to a military base in Italy uh, with uh, his mom and his mom's girlfriend. And his mom is played by Chloe Sevigny, which, by the way, fucking amazing, as always. Chloe yeah, Sevigny is one of the greatest great. actresses that's, that's, like, worked. And she just completely got fucked over by Hollywood. A fucking shame. Um, she, uh, He, you know, moves into the military base and kind of has to... Uh, Kind of has to adapt to like, just his new life and like you know the other kids in the in the base and just life in Italy, and it's it, it's basically a show about f- discovering your identity and and kind of experiencing life 
through the lenses you're given, you know? Um, and it, it's, it really, it really is commendable when you see, when you see, uh, such young actors portraying, uh, characters with, uh, with, you know, uh, disabilities, or, um, Jackson Glazer, I don't, I, 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 his character, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure what he has. I believe he has like, I believe he has like a form of Asperger's or, uh, or something of the kind. The little, the little, uh, mannerisms that Jackson Glazer gives off when he's just standing around sometimes like, so like he can never stay in one place. He's always constantly walking around. He constantly has his earphones in. He sometimes kicks a wall randomly or mm. sometimes he starts snapping his fingers or just starts doing like little ticks. And it's so in-depth. Like you could tell he really stretched with Luca, obviously, because Luca's director yeah. is, is, you know, they, they, it's unmatched. They is he doing re- all episodes in this yes, show? Yes, every episode. Okay. He is, he, he, they really got into the, bones of the uh, of these characters uh and jackson glacier really just embodies what this character is and everybody also everybody surrounding him all the supporting cast they're fantastic too like i mentioned in the last episode francesca scorsese less martin scorsese's daughter <laughs> random as fuck I, I i looked at her and i'm like she looks familiar why does she look familiar <laughs> and i i don't know why but then i'm like wait a minute i go on instagram it's francesca scorsese um she's really good uh, plays Jackson Grace's like best friends, like the the girl he meets and you know in in the base lives there. You know uh, how similar they, is this to Call Me by Your Name? Because like the setting sounds very similar already. The thing, see the thing with uh the thing with Luca, he is a man of consistency. <laughs> he he loves he's from Italy. He loves Italy. Uh, yeah. and he uh, with like Luca's style, he has a very almost like. Uh, a, a very natural, uh, a very natural um, kind of uh, Alfonso Cuarón esque uh, direction to him, where he likes letting actors and letting everybody just kind of live in the environment. You know, um, all like all the like lush greens that you see, like in Call Me by Your Names, people just living their lives in the backgrounds. Like you, th- this is very apparent. The cinematography is also su- like very similar. There's constant swooping pans, very long uncut takes actors. It just, just reminds just me acting. of like, yeah, it just reminds me that, uh, I just, I assume this is probably just like another big coming of age story. Like, it is. You know, he's it, it definitely for, is. For, it, like, it, Call Me by Your Name. Yeah, it's definitely it's a coming of age story told told uh, in the lens of just different forms of identity and how like these different forms of like identity kind of well again I watched the first episode and this is kind of what I'm getting so far but like mm. how these like forms of identity how these different people like kind of interact and just like they live how they live and how they uh, how they evolved with each other evolve with each other you know yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really digging it so far. Uh, I, honestly, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm really blown away by Jack Dylan Grazer. He's, he's really great. Uh, again, I'm only in one, one episode in, uh, but I'm loving it. I love the style. The cinematography is gorgeous. The set design, just the, the uh, everything, the, the environment. Wasn't there, it's great. Wasn't there somebody big working on the score for this? Or am I? The score is fantastic too. Am I Let going me crazy? actually. No, the score is great too. Let me actually. Look no, I know. Up. I'm trying to remember if it's someone we know. Devante Hines. Okay, no. Okay, for some reason I was thinking Trent. I was thinking Trent Naticus for some reason. No, 
Devante Hines, he seems to be like a he seems to be like a like a separate music artist. Doesn't okay. do uh, bad. I I'm gonna check that out He's eventually. Great. I have it there on my uh, on my list on on HBO Oh, dude, Max, you're, you're in I'm for just... a treat. If, if like yeah, you know I mean that... I I've loved Call Me by Your Name. And I love love Suspiria. I want to see a bigger splash because apparently I heard that one's probably better than that. Call me by and your I name. am love. I I've heard I am love is like amazing. Is that uh, is that the rest of his feature with Tilda Swinton credits? Yeah, with Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Um, no, no, I'm saying like in terms of stuff he's directed as features. Is that is oh, that the features. rest of them? Um, here, let me. I'm, I'm gonna double check. Uh, double check. He's made a few. Uh, he made this. Uh, he's made like a, a bunch of like indie films. Uh, in you know in Italian. Uh, his big stuff started coming in like in the early 2000s. He started okay. working with uh, started working with uh, Tilda a lot. You know. Uh, Nothing's better than Tilda. Yeah, it's good uh, old Tilda. Yeah, if you you know if you you know that feeling you got when you saw Coming by Your Name, where you just like, damn, I wish it was summer. That's yeah. That's that's in this show in its blood, and okay, like, I wish it was normal. And <laughs> like, and like, if you just want to literally just lay back and just feel good, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it, it, it's a it, it's quite. The, I'm, I'm liking it a lot. I'm liking it a lot. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm the, we're definitely gonna continue it, and I'll give you updates as it comes. Uh, haven't seen I'm excited, JoJo again. I'm excited to check it yet. Yeah. 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 Um, haven't seen JoJo again. I will start it again soon. Just in the middle of everything, you know. Um, yeah. No. JoJo takes time. JoJo takes time. You don't. You don't. You don't mess with JoJo. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. We all. Uh. We both saw. Um, the man. Oh well, I mean, I wanted to get into some of my things in my week. Oh, okay. We'll, I just wanted to we'll that, talk oh. about Mando. Oh, okay, sure. If you if yeah. you want, but uh, yeah, don't matter. It's all good. Um, yeah, we'll just uh, leave that for a bit. Um, my week, I didn't really do that much, but I started watching Clone High again. This time for like the first time, like the whole run through, from beginning to end, and. Honestly, I could see why so many people like aside from all the JFK silly voices and all that stuff. It it's such a good show, and it's surprise like it, it doesn't really surprise me that it has that cult following that it ha- that it currently has, you know. And people have been wanting more from this show for a long time. For those of you who don't know uh, or or are new that don't know what Clone High is, um, there's a show on MTV. Back in like 2001, 2002. Made by Phil Lord, Chris Miller, and Bill Lawrence. Who's the creator of Scrubs. Or co-creator. I can't remember. And the premise is essentially the government in the 1980s. And this is literally all set in the theme song. Which is really funny. But the government in the 1980s took um, the DNA of a bunch of famous dead people. And decided to put them in a closed in experimental uh, bubble. As, as reincarnated, as cloned versions of themselves, but now they're horny teenagers inside of a, uh, what's basically a Degrassi parody, and it's also a comedy that has JFK, Cleopatra, Abraham Lincoln, played by Will Forte, um, and Gandhi, which apparently that's one of the reasons why the show was, like, super controversial and people didn't want it to continue, or people in the network didn't want it to continue, because Gandhi is essentially just a frat boy who has ADA, uh, has ADD <laughs> and like, <laughs> it's just, he's just wild. 
And it's funny because it's definitely a product of its time, but it's one of those things where I look at it and I'm like, I need more of this again. I can understand why people want this back. And hope and thankfully it is coming back. I, where, I don't know whether it's on MTV or um, Comedy Central, but you know that's awesome to hear. Because this Max. is a show where, huh? Stick it on HBO Max. What'd you say? <laughs> yeah, probably. That would be well. No, it would probably go on Paramount Plus because that's it's ultimately owned by Viacom, which is well also owns MTV or, and Comedy Central. But I uh, know Viacom would be then it would be Netflix, I believe. No, no, Viacom. Vi- Viacom- Remember, we talked about CBS and Viacom merging. Mm. CBS All Access turned into Paramount Plus, or it's turning into Paramount Plus. And they're eventually just going to get all their stuff yeah, yeah, all into yeah, that yeah, one service. Right. Yeah. Uh, what was it? That could be... That could another be what another could fucking worthless, uh, another worthless streaming service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's more money to take from my pocket. Uh, but going back into Clone High, the, the, the humor... The writing is just so funny and one of the, and just so unapologetic that it's one of those cartoons that if it came back the same it was the same way that it was and I hope it does like people are just going to people on Twitter are just going to fucking complain about it the same way they do about the onion posting a fucking article about Joe Biden aging 45 years within like 10 hours of being in office and saying oh I thought this uh Oh, today's read the room and shit like that. It, it's it's that type of thing where it's satire, but it's also just really darkly funny that people you know just can't t- understand the sarc uh, the, the 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 satire in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's just some there's just some beats in there that is just really really funny and fucked up at the same time. There's an episode where that opens literally with Cleopatra and JFK because they're constantly dating even though they break up within every episode and come back together at the end jfk and cleopatra yeah uh (laughs) there's an episode that opens up with them celebrating the new renovation to the school which is they basically made a moat around the special needs department of the school so that way nobody can like nobody can be near them (laughs) it's just it's fucking awful (laughs) there's another part Okay, I, t- I mentioned earlier, Gandhi, there's an episode where Gandhi gets ADD, right? And he's basically uh, chastised and, like, <laughs> uh, th- caught, seen as a pariah for the for the streets. And the episode literally ends with somebody from the neighborhood saying, Oh, I understand. ADD is something that, you know, can't be caught by everyone. And it's something we have to respect. Now let's chastise people with AIDS. And, like, people start fucking cheering and going wild. <laughs> it's just, it's the stupidest shit. It's like South Park. It's like peak South Park humor where it's just the level of, of um, ridiculousness is on a stellar level. And it's just consistently funny. And it, I, 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 was, go- I was thinking about going back into it because of the JFK stuff. And JFK is funny as hell in the show. But it's literally, like, there's so many he's other good things about it. them. Yeah, he's just a part of why that show worked so well. Like, so uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, Joan of Arc, in the show, she... There, there's a moment in the first episode where Abe is talking about um, how he wants Cleo to notice her, him. And he says something along the lines of, I just want somebody to tell me how they really feel about me. I don't understand what's going on. 
and Cleo stands up. No, um, Joan stands up, and she's like, Abe, I want you. Straight to his face. And he's like, I'm sorry, did you say something? I couldn't hear you. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, I, the episodes I've seen, yeah, that's like a consistent joke, no? It's just constant, it's just constant heartbreak on Joan's side. And th- that, uh, like, later on to the show, they start to implement you know, actual, like, important things of their history. So there's an episode where she starts hearing the voices in her head and she gets so excited. <laughs> She's finally understanding her true purpose. So she goes to meet with uh, with Jesus Criste, who's a Mexican Jesus Christ, who's working on the... who's working in a woodshop class. And <laughs> he gives her advice about how to deal with the voices in her head. It's so fucking funny. And it, like the payoff to it's really uh, just really silly in that like Phil Lo- that Lord and Miller type of way. And it it's funny. It's 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 it shows you that like they they've had that humor, that sense of humor down packed ever since, you know, like from the get go for like a long time now. But it's done in such a way where you just you just admire how ridiculous the show gets at points. There's a talking butler. There's a talking robot butler who's the vice principal to the to the main principal, uh, Professor Scudworth or something like that. And it's just... It, I think it's just... Uh, who plays JFK? I can't remember. Is it, is it Chris Miller or Phil Lord? I think it's Chris Miller. So, yeah. Chris Miller plays the talking robot butler, vice principal. But he's also, like, the really caring best friend to Joan of Arc and like other people who are going through emotional strife. But he's talking in a way where it's just like a very monotone, single style, um, straight up like classically robotic voice that just sounds super silly. But he also has like Butler programs, programming installed in this chip. So he ends a lot of di- uh, dialogue with the phrase Wesley for some reason, because that's how British uh, butlers would say, uh, end their sentences with, I guess. And so he talks to Joan. He's like, why don't you just tell him how you really feel? <laughs> and they hug. And it's like a really emotional scene. And the camera like pans back. And all you just hear is, Wesley. <laughs> it's just so stupid. Um, but it works. I think uh, I don't get it. I think the cool part about like, watching you clone high is just like knowing, knowing what they do later on. You know, you see a lot yeah. of like, uh, you see a lot of like their, uh, their style in it, you know? very much ingrained into it uh, yeah and it's just the characters are just so funny and what like simply realize like jfk is just a piece of shit and he doesn't he only cares about um uh, having sex with women <laughs> there's that scene where cleo opens up to him she gives like some sort of monologue and he's like uh she she's about to say something around the lines of i i don't really understand what's going on and i haven't told anybody about this I don't know if I can. And he's like, thank God, because I really didn't want to hear you talk. And like, she, thank she God, because I never really didn't want to hear you talk. <laughs> <laughs> she goes to a monologue. Ever happens to the Kennedys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, get off my dinghy. And a girl pops off of his dinghy. Not you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the thing is, like, for any, for like, any, like, uh, any like history major or anybody who's just really into like history, you catch yeah. like all the like the little like subtle references to like just like their back. They're like 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 their past. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> JFK fucked a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's just 
<laughs> it's just funny because he's just he's just so misogynistic. <laughs> he's such a piece of shit. Because he goes up to he goes up to Cleo and he's like, "No way, hussy! I'm not gonna share my lips with no fatties." And he pulls up his shirt and it says, "No fatties." <laughs> It's so stupid. I'm not gonna but share my it. lips with no fatties. <laughs> no fatties. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, Clone High is fun. Imagine right talking I'm like watching... this all the time. I was the president. I was a Catholic Irish. <laughs> I was shot oh. in the head. <laughs> There's these little subtle jokes that are really good. Where um, Gandhi's doing finger snaps and JFK ducks in fear, like out of <laughs> out of like habit. <laughs> awesome it's 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 a funny show i'm i'm watch i'm kind of just like re-watching an episode a day you know just to sit down and relax it's that it's giving me that co- sort of comfort viewing that i've been lacking in from tv in a while you know mm-hmm. where i just watch a simple sitcom comedy and like i could feel like the world isn't on fire for at least 30 minutes you know it's a nice it's a nice little time i'm happy i'm happy with that I'm gonna. I'm, I'll probably talk about it more as a, as the weeks go on, maybe. But who knows? Clone High is a great show, is what I'm saying. You also, check it out uh, if you haven't done it. You also uh, read up on. Well, you finally got to read uh, Three Jokers. Well, yeah, I I finished Three Jokers recently, mm-hmm. and okay, are you just? I I know I just asked you this ahead. already, just go ahead. but I was just gonna say yes. Are you comfortable with me spoiling the story? Go ahead. Fine. So obviously timestamps for people who don't want to know spoilers about this i'm just gonna i'm gonna go non-spoilers for a second then i'll say it again i'll I'll reiterate when i'm going to talk about spoilery stuff so batman three jokers was written by jeff johns prolific comic book writer over the past like two decades maybe and drawn by jason fabic who's pretty new in the industry he's like relatively new but he's been around dc for a while he did the dark side war also with johns on uh, just on justice league and some other um, big titles there. But he's like one of the best artists right now in the comic book industry. They teamed up to make a three-issue in-canon story that has been, that's, uh, been building up since 2015. In the pages of The Dark Side War where Batman steps, on to the, steps into the Mobius chair, asks the chair questions because it's like an ultimate source of knowledge asks the uh asks the question of what is the joker's true name to which the chair replies with i don't know there's like three of them hence why we get three jokers so the story is basically what yeah <laughs> what <laughs> incredible <laughs> batman the story is basically centered on Bat- yeah <laughs> Uh, so the story li- uh, focuses on uh, Bruce, Barbara Gordon, aka Batgirl, and Jason Todd, aka Red Hood, as they figure out what exactly does th- do three Jokers mean? There's three of them. How did how is this possible? When did this start? Has this always been the case? I guess we're gonna figure it out five Have years I just later. Been fighting th- like a different guy every time, like. Well, I'll get to that in spoilers, but that's essentially what the the crux of this series is. We're we're trying to understand what exactly is does the meaning of three joker what exactly is the meaning behind three jokers and it's uh, while also being the sort of introspective follow-up/spiritual slash sequel to 
Killing Joke, where it explores the the trauma and the the fractured relationships of not only Batman and Joker, but also Barbara and Jason, as they've you know been dealt a bad hand towards Joker in the years. Killing Joke, with uh, Joker shooting and decapitating, not decapitating. Oh my God, uh, crippling Barbara. Nice. Uh, in in <laughs> that story, yeah. <laughs> um, and and Jason Todd literally being beat to a pulp. Again. By Joker and blown, being and getting blown up, yeah. Again, and in the in death of the family, Jason the just can't. Jason can't just can't get help. Can't help not being dead, you know. I know, man. Can't catch a break, man. Can't catch a break. Just loves dying. Uh, so not healthy. I tweeted for you, I this heard. out. Yeah, huh? <laughs> not healthy for what? you. I heard. Oh yeah. Dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dying. Nah, nah. Under uh, overrated. I gotta say, but I gotta say, I I. I was thinking it's been a, uh, probably like two weeks now since I read the final issue and I was able to sit down and collectively just read the story as a whole throughout these three issues that have been released for over the past three months. And I'm of two minds of it. I'm actually, in a way, I'm actually more conflicted about this sort of story from Jeff Johns's tight, like legacy than I was with something like Doomsday Clock. But that's I'll, I'll get into that in a bit, I'll, and I'll, I'll explain why later with spoilers. There are a lot of really good things about this book that I think are really, I think like I could highly recommend to any sort of Batman fan, which is first of all the art, Jason Fabig, like it's just he's a killer when it comes to that art. It's some of the most beautiful, well detailed stuff that I've seen from a mainline book all year, and like in terms of interior art in terms of anything from from him any contribution from him it's it's long worth the wait he's like gold standard dc art yeah but it's like it's that sort of it's that sort of thing where it's like you know how like david fincher no not david fincher uh david finch you remember you know his art right what did he you uh, know how like wait, 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 he, he he drew forever yes, Evil yes, yes, and, yes 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 and, yes yeah in ultimatum and stuff like that you know how like his art is very like it's also kind of dynamic but it's like his faces are it's visceral it's super yeah but like his that's it yeah there's a weird level of intensity towards it jason fabic is like the type of guy who like takes those capabilities that fincher that finch uh, does well as an artist but makes it more kind of like generalized in the same way that like not and and i mean in like digestible well, yeah, in a way, like it makes it feel like more timely. It's like kind of the same way that Jim Jim Lee draws, you know. The way I can describe That's how it, I'd say it, the way I could describe it, it's like it's like a lot of David, it's like a lot of David Finch, but like less of the edge and more of yeah. like the more of like the uh, I guess like the glory of DC, you know. There's less texture and lining when it comes to like character faces and stuff like that. It's kind of it's not streamlined, but it's like well detailed enough where it doesn't look like you're like zooming in on a person. You know what I mean? It's just his, type of thing. his art is the kind is like the kind of art that I would that like I would imagine just like DC in general having, you know? It's like it's like gold yeah, standard, like, like perfect, you know? Like you know, yeah, everybody you know looks Ivan super Reese, heroic. Right? They look wait, excuse me, what? Ivan Reese, the guy who drew Blackest Night, it's like that. It kinda reminds me of that in a way. Mm-hmm. Where it's like it's that signature DC look. Yeah, yeah, know? that's the word. It's like yeah. the signature yeah, 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 yeah. And then there's so fucking, with, and then there's fucking like uh, Alex Ross with like literal heaven interpret heavenly interpretations of like the DC characters. Everybody looks like a fucking god and angel. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 awesome. 
and in that case you know it's it's perfect in the in that in that aspect mm-hmm. uh the writing is something that i feel is a little bit off for me because it feels like it's this type of thing and i think this is a there's also a problem i had with doomsday clock but i'll get into that later where john's is like john's is one of the best writers in comic books you know regardless of whatever controversy that's going on now like that's you, you that you're able you could be able to separate whatever's going on with him right now in the press and you know uh, with separate that with the fucking stellar work he's created over the past like 20 years with green lantern like being the highlight obviously there is something that's really weird about something like this where it's like it's so it's super ambitious when you're promoting this thing as like this this story that's been built up for five years and is supposed to be this ultimate giant realization of what the joker means to batman and what the joker means as a whole in the like as as the joker you know and you're doing that while also trying to i wouldn't say mimic but like pay tribute or pay homage to what made the killing joke work in a stylized sort of way and it's there's a there's a video can't remember his name strange brain parts he's a guy he's a comic book guy on uh, YouTube that I, I've been following for a few years he I haven't seen his video on three jokers I, I don't know if he's posted one yet but I would say he he coined the same phrase to doomsday clock and I would coin the same phrase with this as well where uh, he described it as a a very good cheeseburger like it's got it, it it's 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 got what it's going for. It's, you know, digestible, it's tasty, but at the end of the day, it's still a cheeseburger. There's not that sort of n- narrative death or, well, no, it's, it's not that there's nothing special. It's just that there's nothing more uh, interesting about it. It's kind of like a really, really well done fan piece, you know, that's, that's what I would say about it, where it's like, it's not something that is wholly unique and groundbreaking as something like killing joke can i or watchman and, and from that comparison can i ask uh can i ask uh what the uh what the uh the point of the three jokers are you want to get spoilers? so uh I'll, I'll get into that in a second i just want to say one last like thing about it where it's trying to be that it's trying to be an homage to killing jokes trying to be this big like joker story this big impactful joker story but i think one of the, i think the strongest thing about the narrative in it even though it doesn't really hit the nail on the head sometimes, is the way it portrays the trauma and uh, guilt that some of these characters have. that And, like, emotional baggage that these characters have had over the years. So, without going to spoilers yet, I want to say this is probably one of the best... With, with, its, with its faults, this is probably one of the best Jason Todd stories that have ever come out in a while since, since like, Red Hood, I would say. Like, since he came back as Red Hood. Because it's a story that's like a lot of it. A lot of the weight is uh, thrown on Jason, and you're getting a lot of emotional scenes where he is just giving all of his guilt, throwing it into the floor, like all of his uh, baggage and trauma, throwing it onto the floor, and you know, talking about you know what makes him so fucked up, you know, and why he's the way he is now, especially after a very controversial and crazy thing that happens in the opening issue that you know is. It it's it's one of the best moments I've ever I've ever seen from a Batman book, 
but it has its consequences and it, it they they lay that very well for Jason as a character and you know they they show his flaws very well same with Barbara in a way because she is I don't know if you ever felt this with with, uh, with Batgirl, but she, I feel like when it comes to the emotional baggage of the Bat family, she's kind of been the one that's always been dealt all of that from everyone else. You know what I mean? What do you mean? You know what I'm talking about? Like, she has her own trauma, right? She has her own trauma of being shot and not being able to uh, walk for a long, long time until she eventually, you know, got the uh, had uh, regained the ability to walk again and become Batgirl. She, I've always seen her as the type of character that has always been the person that everyone goes to when it comes to, like, weighing their... Aside from, like, Alfred, like, I feel like he's, she's always been the character that, like, everybody in the family kind of, like, like, throws their, their, um, their emotional weight on. Sure. Whether it's, like, Bruce losing Damien or, like, when, when Dick lost his memory, which is a stupid thing, but that's beside the point. But, like, whatever, like, traumatic thing that the Bat family has... Barbara is always the one that kind of looks that is kind of portrayed to be the one that has to be like well put and all together. And the series doesn't really like touch on it that much, but they acknowledge the fact that she is a character that also has that same level of weight and trauma. But since, you know, she's Batgirl, I guess, like she's the one who has to really put it aside and kind of be like the maternal figure in in the family, you know, and, and help and, and like bearing the same weight as the others that's something that's really interesting that i think you know it's not properly realized in the book but that's something i really like and then with bruce bruce there's an interesting thing well i'll get into spoiler i'll get into that in spoilers but there's an interesting thing that they bring in with not just joker but another big element in batman's in the batman mythos that really encapsulates why he is as closed in as he is even though he has this family even though he has this sort of um support system at the same time he really isn't he's kind of still like vaguely disconnected and fractured even though he has that so okay i'm gonna get into i'm gonna get into spoil overall i'd say hey you know what give it a shot may not be for everyone it's a definitely a divisive book but i enjoyed it for the most part it's nothing it's nothing super super special at the end of the day it's a joker story and i'll get into that later but you know it's it's not bad it's not bad at the end of the day, it's like a typical, it's a typical Joker story, but it's one of the okay ones, you know, it's one of the ones that are like better than the rest, mm-hmm. but not like grand tier, like Killing Joker, uh, Brian Azzarello's Joker. So, okay, what was the question you asked me again? What exactly does Three Jokers mean? Yeah, it's good spoilers. Yeah. All right. I'm so like, I'm like very curious. Out. Yeah. So the Three Jokers mystery is essentially, uh, there are three versions of the Joker that are out there in Gotham City wrecking havoc. There's the criminal, which is the which is designed to be the Golden Age Jerry Robinson Joker from the from the early issues of Batman. Like his first appearance, that gangster Joker with like the long uh, with the long purple like drafty suit mm-hmm. and the seriousness. Like he doesn't smile or anything like that. That's the that's the first one that they talk about. Then there's the comedian which is the Neil Adams type 70s death of the family joker that's designed um, huge smile with that, the huge smile with the, uh, the 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 laughing gas kind of joker that would just murder yeah, murder yeah. Murder a it, bunch he's of kids. a silly type yeah. he's a silly type of joker yeah i'd say kind of like for an easier uh comparison like mark hamill's yeah, joker yeah for people who like you jack know, don't nicholson read mark hamill 
Yeah, Jack Nicholson, Mark Hamill, and then you have, uh, then you have the Heath Ledger. <laughs> yeah, the, well, they call him the. Oh no, sorry. The second one is the clown. The one I just mentioned right now is the clown. The one I'm about to mention now, the third one is the comedian, which is the one from the killing, the one that they designed to be the one from the Killing Joke. The broken one. Yeah. Yeah, the one with the hat, like the really serious dead eyes with the shadow. That's the that's the comedian. So that's the one that's in Killing Joke and the one that's supposedly like the one in Snyder's run from end from the Endgame story arc and Death of the Family, like the modern Joker. Mm-hmm. That's what's the, the one. Every, that's what the the, the one everyone loves and knows. Yeah, yeah, the modern take yeah. essentially. So what happens in the series is. We're eventually we eventually find out like halfway through the series that these are three jokers that their goal at least on the surface is to create more jokers okay to wreak havoc into the city which sounds stupid as fuck on paper but that's basically what they're dealing with right now like there's a there's a really crazy scene where uh, Dick and uh, no where Bruce and Barbara try to find try to rescue Jason cuz he's been kidnapped by two of the jokers and they go into a pool they find a pool a community pool that's literally just st- stacked with corpses and they all reanimate with joker faces and it's like this sort of thing where they're trying to get a bunch of random people out of nowhere from the city to see if they are able to go through the weight of like the toxic chemicals and the whole like wait wait uh, Act uh, what? So Joker eugenics. Yeah, yeah, Joker eugenics. They want to find the next Joker, essentially. God. <laughs> so. That's such a comic uh, book plan. <laughs> it is. It's comic booky as fuck, and it's it's done in really weird. It, it's it's kind of silly. It's kind of weird, but there's a reason for it at the end, or uh, not a reason for it. But I'll get to that later. Um, there's that. That's the whole goal right now. The first issue is a really solid start because you're dealing, you set up all these really important things of what makes what, what, why these characters have so much emotional baggage, why these characters are so conflicted and hurt and traumatized over the years. And you start off with this awesome, beautiful montage of, uh, Bruce being, um, getting surgery from Alfred, like, uh, as he tends to his scars and each scar there's a, like a little flashback. It cuts to an immediate flashback of how he got that scar, whether it's from Penguin or Professor Pig. or And then a bunch of them just end up being just Joker, stabbing him in the back and like all over his body. And then the final one is him just reminiscing about him, like about uh, losing his parents to Joe Chill. And that's kind of like centered as like the big crux as to why he is so broken, why he's so fucked up. And that I'll get into that later. There's, you feel that same way with Barbara, even though Barbara it's done in a different light where, which I really enjoy actually, and I've still enjoy it as the years go by. Ever since she got her legs back, but it's done in a way where she's angry. She still remembers losing her legs, but she's still fighting. It's this and it and it's shown through this really cool little scene where she's just running on a treadmill. And she's running too fast as she's watching the news of more Joker victims popping up that the treadmill breaks and it just overheats and she just leaves the gym. It's, it's super fucking badass. I love that shit. And then you have um, you have Jason who is just hell-bent on taking Joker down and keeping him 
like trying to get him, you know, keep him dead. You what know, makes even it a good Jason story? No killing huh? What makes it a good Jason story? Specifics. In issue one, he shoots the Joker in the face. Okay. He shoots the '70s Joker in the face after, like, getting so frustrated with him with his teasing that. Red Hood is essentially just another future Joker, his Red Hood persona, mm-hmm. because there he 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 basically like tries to flip it into this sort of Stockholm syndrome thing where uh, he says the story to him. He t- he tells him the story. He recounts the story of like what he what he was saying yeah, when he was being uh, beat down by Joker in the Death of the Family arc, where. He's pleading for his life, and one of the last things he says before he blows him up is, please, just don't kill me. I'll be your Robin, essentially. And he's like, I'm so proud of you. You ended up being my Robin anyway. You kill people, and you use my fucking moniker that I had before I was the Joker. You're exactly what you w- didn't want to be. And that's... That's <laughs> and yeah. that shows, yeah, and that shows just how weak you are. Did it take- and that leads to Jason <laughs> just shooting him in the fucking face. I mean, and it's one of the really coolest take- scenes ever. <laughs> Did it really take Jason that to like to like realize that like? <laughs> no, it's it's an obvious fucking no. thing. But like the way it's the way it's it's uh paced on in the in the first issue is done in such a really tense and awesome way where it's like you kind of, it's like the ending of seven like you want him to shoot you want him to shoot John Doe in a way even though you know mm-hmm. it's bad and then he shoots him and Jason immediately. Well, okay. Here's the cool thing about it. Well, you know, here's the really interesting thing about it that they don't really go more into, which is a shame. He shoots Joe. He shoots the seventies. He shoots the the clown in the face. That's what I'm gonna distinguish it. Uh, he shoots the clown in the face, and the clown's dead. Shot through the head, gone immediately. Gone. At the same time, Barbara is trying to stop him from shooting him down by throwing a batarang at him, and he tells her, uh, like, she starts screaming at him after he dies. Like, why did you do this? You know we're probably gonna have to take you down. This is a crime. You killed somebody. And he's like, "Oh, really? Did it was it just me? Last time I checked, you never miss a shot. Why did you miss?" And she just storms away, super mad and frustrated. And it cut. Facts. And the first issue ends with, <laughs> "Yeah, oh no, it's so it's so good." But they never do anything more with that. And it, and it cuts to yeah, J- in the last shame. scene of that first issue. Yeah, no, it's it's more- awesome because it's like, cause cause you know she wants him dead too. You know, the whole thing, the whole thing that's always frustrated me with Joker stories is that I get it. Batman doesn't have a, doesn't want to kill anybody. If he kills the Joker, you know, who knows what kind of like turn he will take as a person, as Batman. But like, he's fucking dead. Just do it. Why, why, why has it never like, like, I feel like I get it. You know, you're saving, you're, you're, I don't know. I feel like. In a way, you're still not saving more lives by keeping him away. Obviously, you're enacting the right sense of justice by putting him in bars, but so many people have died. So many people is have that suffered just, is that because of his existence. Is the justice uh, justified? Is the justice uh, effective? That's like that kind of just bo- that just kind of like that's kind of just the question of Batman in general. It's like are his actions like are they causing are they causing more good or are they causing more harm? You know. Is his radical yeah. is his radical way of thinking like is it actually fixing things? Because you know it's pretty it's pretty arguable that it's not you know. And then Joker the is just is, a period personification of that. And Jason's death has always been you know Batman's biggest uh, biggest failure because of his yeah. just his 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 own radicalization of like what he believes in you know. 
That's why I love Dark Knight Returns so much because it deals with oh all the God. people yeah. I've murdered by letting you live. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's literally so. like that. That's literally what encapsulates this entire seventy-year legacy for this character. Dude, fascist Batman is the shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, look honestly. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Like, it, but like, it's true, bro. Like, it's yeah. my way or the or my way or the broken bones. You know, like. <laughs> But with with uh, the first issue, it ends with Jason contemplating being like, God, I really hope I got the right Joker. I really hope I didn't just end up killing a random civilian who just ended up suffering and turning into another Joker persona. And the thing is, he did. Because the clown and the comedian... No, the clown and the, and the criminal are two people... They revealed later on in the series to be two people that were that were able to sustain and get be brainwashed by the chemical process or whatever process it takes to turn into a Joker, and you know became two other Jokers to wreak havoc around Gotham. So it's like when you become a Joker, what? like do you just like also like adapt the sense of style? Like it's the sense of style and the apparently the memory. Because the clown, even though like so, even though the clown isn't the real Joker, he knows exactly what's triggering Jason, so it's and a he hive knows mind exactly what he said. It's like a, it's hive, like a mind. hive mind thing. It's weird, Hi- but they never okay. talk about more of that. That's the that's the strange thing. Um, I feel like when you get more in depth, when you get more in depth, just like that kind of concept, it just kind of ruins it. You know, that's the thing. And, and, and that's why that's why I kind of that's why I'm okay with some parts of things with some things just you know not being as explored because. The Joker is always an interesting mystery. You know, you never really know where he came from. You never really know what he's for. You know, everything is just a sick, cruel joke to him. And that is always what makes the Joker so interesting as a character. That's why he because has he's his just own movie. nihilism personified. He's just, yeah. That's why he literally he has his own movie. <laughs> no hope at all. Yeah, but <laughs> like he literally just, he literally has no care for anything he does. He just does it because he thinks, like, because he could get away with it. Because it could be done. He has no sort of sense of like, reasoning for why he does these things he just does it for chaos and well okay there is a sense of reasoning that they get into in the book and it's that he wants bat he wants batman to be the only thing that he cares about the only damage the only thing in his in his psyche that is always going to cause him torture which is where joe chill factors in to the to the story um i was gonna say um that's like just in my opinion, that's like what makes uh, Ledger's version of version of Joker just the greatest one, because all of Joker's like core philosophies and ideology are just so like are are perfectly like personified with like Heath Ledger Heath Ledger's version, just like that intense nihilism of just doing yeah. the, doing things just because they could be done, and just exerting yeah. exerting that force for the for the thrill of it, and like. I I'm glad when a lot of stories I feel like they 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 tend to just see Joker as like hey clown villain crazy bang bang boom boom but like Joker is like super super you know he's super super dense when it comes to like just like his way of thinking and the way writers have have treated him you know I'm glad I'm well, glad that I'm glad that like um what you're telling me from this story that it just seems like a just general like uh history lesson in just the Joker and his psyche. Yeah, which is why I can understand some people being a little disappointed by it because at the end of the day, it's kind of the same thing we've gotten with other good Joker stories. And it's this is an event that's been built up since 2015, mind you. You know, and you would expect like from something from Jeff Johns, obviously, to be this big sort of 
revelation about the Joker and what he means. But at the end of the day, it's not really anything like special. It's kind of the same thing that we've always known. Yeah. Aside from some like big changes and and some like well not big changes but some like revelations that happen throughout the series, but it's interesting because there's that but it's always for me it's always twisted with this weird sense of irony that there's always a sense of purpose behind it too. In this case, all right. In this case, the reason why Joe fact uh, Joe Chill factors into this, even though I've never really liked the idea of Joe Chill, but they do it well in this series. Really. Because I just, I just like the fact that like it's just a guy who ended up killing his parents. Oh, he doesn't know oh, anything about them. Mm, you know, like yeah. like giving a name and a and a and a, and a character to to that person kind of just leaves some I, of that I mystery think, away. I, I mean, you know, I, and some of that bleakness away. You I don't. Know? I I get what you mean by that, but I don't think. Uh, I think giving him a name humanizes him more. And like I feel like that I feel like that's super important to like just like Batman in general. It's like yeah, he like yeah, he is a human who was just chewed up and broken by the system, you know. And I feel like I, I feel like that's super important when it comes to like Joe Cho and like Batman as a character because yeah, he he was this this faithless guy who just did it for the you know for whatever you know for whatever reason to mug them, but like. You know, I, I feel like humanizing Joe Chill it brings just another, a completely different perspective into the situation. That's that, that's interesting though. I didn't know you. I didn't know you. You got that takeaway from from that. Well, no, because for me, the way I see it is that, like having a name and a and a and a and and, and like a known, relatable, attribute right. yeah. to to the person who killed Bruce Wayne's parents, just leaves that sort of intrigue and that and that sense of the idea of crime is just it's kind of like a faceless thing crime is always going to happen you know no matter what and it's it's not something that you could just pinpoint to a specific thing it's just a constant war that you're going to have to be fighting against that doesn't have an uh, like an explicit face you know yeah. that that's what i've always found interesting about yeah, batman's origin when they would do stuff like that but like i get it no and and i and i get the reason why like joe chill is an appealing element in, into his origin i just feel like and they do it in a like, well way in this in the series like what? I, I don't know i just feel like batman's knowledge of the person who killed his parents is super important you know and i feel yeah. like and i feel like that that would be just such a driving uh, a driving force especially in like early age early years bruce into like wanting mm-hmm. wanting revenge like yeah, i know the person who did it and i can break and i can break his neck but i can't do it I well, can. I could say I could say it's the same thing of like him wanting revenge for just making his city better and just making it a place where nobody has to suffer the same way I do, whether it's, you know, whether it's through like a specific person's actions or just the actions of people as a whole, you know, in society. I feel like he, uh, I feel like Bruce comes I feel like yeah, that that's that that mindset just comes comes to Bruce like more later down in life. Like he doesn't, Bruce doesn't yeah. really like get into that. Like, because when he started off as Batman, it wasn't really for like anything specific. Well, it depends who wrote it, obviously. But like, well, I, I always thought it was just to you know to be the savior of a city to, that is broken. You know, you know to be honest, crime. like I, I'm kind of glad we're talking about like just like a little deeper into Batman because like I've always seen like I, it's always fun what we do. That's how that's literally how we met. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I, I think like I, I think one of the most interesting parts about Batman is that like he didn't get his sense of justice until later. I feel like Batman just started off just because he wanted... He, like, Daredevil almost. He was just angry. 
I feel like I I I, th- I feel like Batman didn't really become this. He didn't have this mindset of like sense, like this sense of justice and this and like his morals, like you know, in place when he start mm-hmm. when he started off in the cow. I feel like that came later when he finally realized the responsibility he's holding. You know, I feel like he probably said that, but in reality, he just wanted to punch people. I feel like he just literally just wanted to hurt somebody. I, I don't see that same way with that, Daredevil because they're, they're very similar origin stories, but I've always seen Daredevil as like the character who just takes up the weight of being that being that opposing force in a world that's racked with so much um, strife see, and tragedy. I, see, where Batman, where I feel Batman does it selfishly, I feel like I feel like someone like uh, someone like Matt would does it like more from a place of just anger and desperation, you know? And just I like, think, at, oh well, at desperation first, definitely at first because you know yeah. obviously Bruce and Matt they, they they didn't have the same like coming up you know Bruce is obviously a fucking rich playboy and then no that's the thing I, it, I I could I could probably agree with that at first but the one the thing that's always so significant about Matt Murdock is that as why I also point out why I love him so much it's his faith you know it's his faith that there are good people out there it's his faith that good actions will come if you you know allow it to. And you must fight like any sort of opposing negativity and any sort of, you know, bad anything that bad in your city. If you are able to, you know, counter it. If you are able to do take a stand against it, you know, like it's it's obviously it's it's a religious spin on it. But like if you have that, like that faith will you know survive no matter what. See, um, I think that's super. That what, yeah. why I've always loved Daredevil in that. Yeah, yeah, like and, and like that. That's also like a like a good like uh, a, a good like kind of parallel between Batman and Daredevil. Whereas Batman, I feel, I feel Batman is just a uh, kind of like a bad person, a kind of kind of like a bad broken person, and who tries to be good. Whereas Daredevil, he's a good person who has to be bad in order to in order to to bring good into yeah. in, in, into his community. While it's like Batman kind of more revels in it, he feels like he is Batman. Daredevil's well, like, I think, Daredevil's I, I think that it. gets there. Yeah, well, I think that gets there with Daredevil in some story. It depends on who's writing. It always like, de- yeah, yeah. It always depends that. on who writes yeah. his characters because it, each yeah, version but of like Born Again is different. a good example of him just throwing himself down there and just being just just being that anger. Yeah, you know, and just not giving a fuck, just lo- lowering yourself into the slowest extent, and just being that sense of not chaos, but just that see, sort of anger, that blind rage. See where, which is also a thing that the Bendis run does really well. Too. See where Daredevil is more conflicted about that. I feel like Batman is just more like he just embraces it more. You know, I don't know. That's what I, I always find interesting I, about Batman, at least. That's why I wanted you to finish or to keep reading that Tom King run because that's where a lot of the things I love about that run um, come from. It, it's a sense of like, why am I still doing this sort of thing like this? Like, it, it's it's interesting because it's very introspective in the way that it, it deals with that. I've always liked. But going back to Three Jokers because <laughs> we're going back into... We're going in crazy circles here, but I, I fucking love when we talk about this because it's, it's been a while. It's just been, I've been reading some Daredevil and like, oh, fuck, I miss it. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it's, just, it's like Batman yeah. and Daredevil. It's just like, yeah, they're so similar, but like, fuck. They're, it's just there's so much there. There's so, so much. Good. There's so it's much. It's so good. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but, okay, Joe Chill. The reason why Joe Chill factors into the series is because, like I said earlier in the in the first issue, he is that um, he's built up to be that sense of uh, of um, of trauma that Bruce will never let go, in a way. And 
ultimately what the three jokers what the plan of the three jokers story is was for the criminal who is who ends up being the quote-unquote real joker because you never really know but uh, I'll, I'll get into why i think he's the real joker later but you know it, it it ends up being like that the um the other two joker oh okay no it ends up being that the criminal gets shot and murdered gets murdered by by the um um, by the comedian, by the modern Joker, because he realizes that after after failing in a plan to make Joe Chill the next Joker, which wasn't really what they wanted to do in the first place, apparently, but they want they they take they kidnap Joe Chill. Uh, one of the the comedian videotapes him and tries to get a confession as to why he killed Thomas and Martha Wayne. And the that this is where the story's kind of weird for me, because they actually give a reason for why Joe Chill sought out specifically the Waynes mm, mm, to murder to be murdered, mm, mm. which is one of those <laughs> yeah. things where it's like I don't mm. want that, yeah, you know, yeah. like that's like don't like, write that page. Like, yeah, that's like <laughs> that sort of thing. That's like giving an for, to me. That's like giving an explanation as to why Peter's parents left. Yeah, like oh, because they're super spies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like it, it's, it's like, so stupid. It's like that's not the point of the character. That's not the point of Spider Man. It's not the point of Batman. So like, why even bring it up? Like they're well, dead okay. and they're gone. Leave it. Leave it at that. It affected them well, enough, br- you know. Like yeah, but they bring it up. They bring it up in Three Jokers to a um to explain you know what you said earlier that Joe Chill was somebody was that was desperate, tired, and frustrated. With his place in the world. And he took it out on people that, you know, thought that they deserved it. And he looked at it, but at the same time, he realized he never, like, he reveals that he never went for, like, killing all three of them. He never went for killing Bruce because he just realized at that moment that, you know, he have, he, he did, he have done, he did something that was uh, despicable and, like, awful. And he, he was the one who held, who, who pull, literally pulled the trigger on ending this child's life and turning him into the sort of, you know, presence that he is today in Batman. And he's dying of cancer and he's revealing this stuff and he is just... He he, he, he only asks for... Well, he doesn't ask for forgiveness, but he tries to be a better person through his actions uh, as, 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 as the years went by. And... It eventually ends up being this weird sense of closure between Bruce and and Joe because Joe Joe finds out like he he fa- he figured out that Bruce was Batman the whole time. That's that's one of the that's one of the big reveals from this series that he knew what he created. Wait, repeat that. Repeat essentially, that. as the years went by, he knew what he created no, 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 uh, as the years went by. Re- re- but revealed what? So you let cut off. I'm sorry. Oh, oh okay. It it's revealed that like. Joe knew what he created by killing the Waynes. He knew that Bruce was always Batman in a way as the years went by. That's that's it's weird. It's weird and they don't touch on it more than that for a reason, I, I guess, don't like because that. it's just that's kind of weird and ballsy and I, it's like I, who knows if it actually works, you know? That's I, that but but they do it because they wanted to do this thing where it gives closure to the two of the characters and ultimately to Joker's credit to the comedian's credit, essentially replace that 
weight of trauma that Wayne took from losing his parents and putting in the legacy that he has created in having Joker live and cause all this death and destruction in its place. There's this really good scene at the end of it where it's like, I didn't care about the other two Jokers. I didn't care about trying to turn Jason into a Joker. What I cared about was taking the one thing that you hated, the one thing that always crept up into your mind, giving you closure into that, so that way all you're thinking about is me. All you're thinking about is my rage, my dealt towards you, my damage on you, my legacy by living because you're never going to um, take that extra step and kill me. And I'm going to continue killing more people and I'm going to continue adding more weight and guilt onto your uh, psyche on forever, essentially. Which is a similar thing we've gotten from Joker stories before, but like it's done in a way where it's like, okay, I kind of see it and I like, I kind of like this because that's, for me, that's what Joker is. He is nihilism personified, you know? And, but in a way it's done with that weird ironic twist that it's also done out of this weird sick love and obsession with, for, for Bruce. Which he also finds out. With the, it's not even that much of a big reveal at this point because they've done it multiple times throughout the years. But, like, Joker knows that Bruce is Batman as well. You know? So, like, he does it because, like... He does it because he's literally the only thing that he's obsessed about. I don't think... You know? uh... in, that in a way, Batman created a Joker and because the Joker exists now in the comedian as the quote-unquote real Joker, he will continue to haunt Batman until anything forever essentially you know until the day he probably kills him which he never will and they address that with a really intense scene with jason and and um and and bruce where like they address that again like you've let you let me die you know you let me die and he still lives i'm never going to forgive you for that i don't care if i killed oh i i do care if i got that i killed this other joker but you know we should have just killed them all in a way, is what Jason's proposing. And he's like, no, I can never kill. And that's always that problem I've always had with Batman, where it's like, it's that one thing, you know? But like, it's that weird flaw in his sense of justice that it's just like, the crime is always going to continue because he, he will let him live. And that's something I've always liked. That That's something I really, really liked about like that, you know twist of joke of, of the joker's role in in of the three jokers role into the series but there's this thing at the end of it oh and by the way jason and barbara have like a really weird botched relationship like they make out uh in the second issue but they they try to make it in this sort of way where it's like jason is really uh vulnerable and really like uh broken to the point that like any sense of like positive affection into his life he will immediately take it and spin it in this sort of like negative way where it's like I will change for you. I will like you know be anything else and give up this Red Hood mantle to you know have to keep on having this love and affection, which is you know brings out that sort of weird toxicity in in like fractured abusive relationships or like abusive like uh, or people with like trauma, you know uh, from people with years of trauma behind them. It's just weird because they don't really do much with it, and it's it's obviously one of those things that they don't explore more because. It's not something that they want to really... That I don't think, like, the editors at DC really want to explore more, you know? It's not as bad as, like, Bruce and Barbara fucking in the Killing Joke movie. Listen, bro, it's, it's just like... I, I, 
But but there's a reason why I can ex I can kind of accept the fact that like someone as broken as Barbara and Jason can kind of be a couple together. Even though it's weird that like she's kind of she's kind of like a homie hopper in that way too, and she doesn't want to be when it comes to like not only him and her and Jason, but like her and Dick. To me, like it's and a, I think uh, like her and Tim at one point. It's just <laughs> I have such like I have such a specific image of like the Bat family in my mind, and it's always yeah. like all right, it's, there's all right, there's Batman. Batman has kind of this thing with Talia, but in reality, is in love with Catwoman. Yeah. Um, Dick and Barbara always had a thing. Tim, Stephanie Brown, right? I think they. I, I think Stephanie Brown. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were fucking at a point, and then Jason, complete loner, fucking just on his own, probably aggressively punching a Wawa, jerking off. I don't know. Um, They've done this thing recently where they're trying to make a relationship with him and uh, Rose Wilson, Slade's daughter. I don't. It's kind of cool. I mean, like, but it's mostly just in the sense of like, oh, that's badass. To it's me, just it's two just badass a, people together. It's just to me like the thing with like Jason. It's like he's just one of those characters where like the more fanatical you get with him, like the more you start incorporating him with like let's say like the Titans or like let's say you know just different characters. I feel like it makes him less interesting because the most interesting parts of like Jason is just how broken he is, you know. How, like, just, like, yeah, completely and, and, deranged and, like, I, I, I about to break any second. And they don't ignore that at all in this series. which I, Which is why I really love That's it. Good. Which is why it makes for a really good Jason story. But when you throw in that extra layer of, like, him wanting to have a relationship with uh, Batgirl, it's, it's this thing where, like, it is interesting as a concept, but I don't know if it's an idea that is actually, like, healthy for that character. Because he's essentially saying, I will just change who I am for you. As long as I get that uh, love and affection. Like, the, uh, did you see that TikTok I sent you yesterday? Which one? Where it's like, oh, you shown me human kindness. Oh, yeah. I guess I'm with you now. <laughs> you fucked up. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. And that's something that's, that doesn't get explored more as much as I'd want it to. But, you know, it's, it's definitely one of the biggest talking points in the, in the series. Not as big as I want to say as the ending to it. And then, you know, I'll be done with, with talking about this comic book. Because I know people don't want that. But whatever. You know, I really... I thought it was an interesting story. The ending of the book... It is... Uh, essentially, the comedian... The, the quote-unquote real Joker is thrown uh, in, uh, behind bars. He knows that he's Bruce. And... <laughs> there's this... There's this really funny scene where like Joe, uh, where um, where Jason like lays all the the weight on Barbara in a in a letter where I, where I was mentioning the stuff earlier about how he will change for her and all that stuff, and he like tapes it with like one little sticky note onto her uh, apartment door, and it just gets swept under the rug and like it it's implied that she'll never read that letter or she'll never find it, you know. And that at the end of the letter, he says, like, okay, you could choose to do something. Like, if you want to continue with a relationship with this, you know, you, um, I'm, I'm like, it's your choice. If you don't, we could just ignore this thing that this thing ever happened. And I'll continue to be me. You'll continue to be you. And hopefully, you know, it will never be something weird between us. And that's essentially what it kind of, it, it, it's implied to be going forward. Because the note just gets swept by a janitor. A janitor just picks it up, it falls from the door, and he just swipes it up in, in like a little receptacle and throws it away. Uh, but at the end of the series, Bruce has a talk with Alfred about how, and about like Alfred saying something along the lines of, I guess we'll never know what's up with the Joker. 
looking into the camera. And Bruce says... Foiled again, Batman. Yeah. Well, Bruce... Bruce, It it ties into something earlier in the last issue where Bruce said that he doesn't know who the Joker really is to, to Jason. He lied. Apparently, at the end of the series... Batman, Bruce knew who the Joker was a week after he first met him. Which is a ginormous retcon from the killing joke. That's huge, yeah. And not right. only that, not only that, oh no, hold up, hold up, I see that smile. Keep keep holding, hold on to that grin. It's implied that the Joker with no, ba- like, that the idea of, you know, the, uh, the interesting idea of that the Joker has no backstory, that the Joker has no, nothing behind the smile is bullshit because the true joker the one that wanted him to just be a force of nature with no explanation is actually the same joker from actually actually the same joker from the killing joke who uh i'm like God, okay i'm not probably... getting confused here all right okay well okay right. well explain ask, ask okay me. i'm not getting conf- all right okay all right so like all right, so Batman, he so he lied to Jason, right? Saying that he lied to Jason and Barbara, saying that he doesn't know who the Joker was, but the he knows his true name. He's always known his name. Okay, so and he and yeah. he always knew his name and like knew him like, where he comes from from like the first week of knowing of like knowing the Joker. Yes. Okay. Yes. First of all, that does make sense because Batman would know. It's Batman. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Like yeah, no, sure. literally the line is, "I'm Batman." I knew who he was the first week after we met. I mean, yeah, but like that kind of that destroys everything the character stands like for, and like the constant well, no, here's need the, he, of like figuring out who Joker is is like that's like a big driving force. And no, Batman. no, no. All right, wait. Yeah. Ho- hold yeah. on to that. Hold yeah. on to okay. that. Hold on. No, no, no. For real. Hold on no, to no, that no, because saying, there's wait, something wait, else wait, I want to add on to the end. Uh, so okay, so okay, you were saying he is like, so he is killing joke Joker, the actual actual killing joke Joker. Continue. Uh huh. Okay, so. It is the actual Killing Joke Joker. Okay. Which makes it canon, but in a way it's always been canon. Because of Barbara being crippled. Okay, yeah. The reason why he will never reveal the true name of the Joker, why he will never go forward in figuring that out and making that public knowledge, is because of the wife. What wife, you wonder? The wife from the Killing Joke, who in the original story was meant to be killed by a uh, exploding baby bottle in this weird ironic cruel twist of fate that just happens in life apparently it was revealed that joker was that that pre-joker from the killing joke story was an abusive person towards the wife in the killing joke leading to the two cops that we see later on in the original story telling him that you know she died and that the baby died too being confronted by the wife after after that big confrontation where um where the the proto joker like snaps on her for saying like oh, i'm tired you know this whole world is so like frustrating and stuff like that can you give me some peace and something like that like after that happened the wife goes up to those two cops and anonymously leaves gotham and tells the, and and they tell her that they'll come up with some bullshit story to lead him away from ever trying to find her. Going to the last pages into the book, 
where it's revealed that the wife from the killing joke and not only not only her but the son of the killing joke a joker jr survived all those years ago and have been living in fucking alaska by themselves in an isolated house where his batman's justification for never figuring out never going forward with the actual identity of the joker never going forward with actually putting an end to his cause is because of protecting the only two people that could actually that that are actually tied to him as a character they're actually tied to him as a human being and all the like all the potential pariah and damage that could be done towards the both of them once that becomes public knowledge and potentially joker going over to them finding them after all those years and you know doing god knows what with them you know killing them turning them to other jokers or something like that he does it for those two people i think the book ends with like the the last two lines of the book is like it was never it was never about the Joker's real name. It never has been. And it's like Bruce looking onward at the wife and the child from The Killing Joke, all grown up as, a, as like a teenager, having breakfast or having dinner in the Alaskan wilderness, essentially. In an, an Alaskan cabin. Yep. Yeah, I hated that. <laughs> so I don't want to... I didn't want to call Jeff Johns a canonical bully or like an Alan Moore bully you know when I read like Doomsday Clock. But it, it sounds like it sounds like he's bullying the fucking like canon and legacy of like the nuance of Alan Moore's previous work by you doing shit like, like this. What? <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like we gave a guy too much power. Now he's he's kind of out of control and they, they don't know how to stop him. I well, think okay. I, I... you want to know the thing? It's it's been going on for a long time, though. Because you know, Blackest Night is actually like the little seedlings and foreshadowings of a of a potential future that was written in an Alan Moore Green Lantern story. That's that's the inception of like that's the precipice of what Bla Blackest Night always was. And then you get into something even more wild with Doomsday Clock actually making a sequel to Watchmen, a canonical sequel to Watchmen, while also being this big uh, crossover with the DC universe, and surprisingly still kind of work at the end of the day. But then you get into this, where it's literally, hey, Alan, fuck your ending, fuck your nuance, fuck your, like, your your sense of ambiguousness. Here is his background. Here is where he comes from. Here is his wife, alive and well, with a nice little kid, yeah, enjoying I breakfast. That. I fucking hate that. I, I don't like that. It's so weird, and it's and it's interesting because they foreshadow it super heavily in 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 um in the in the second half of the book, where that same Joker is having a fantasy sequence where he's having dinner with his family, quote unquote family, which is just a, a, a just two people that he um that he kidnapped or that he's holding hostage in a house. It's like this fantasy sequence that he's having in his mind, so it implies that this is actually like the real like regardless of all the ambiguous nihilism ignorance that the joker stands for this is actually a character that still has a sense of vulnerability and a sense of tragedy behind him which is always a, like the sense of tragedy is always something interesting from the killing joke but the killing joke takes it that extra step in being that it could be that it couldn't it, it could not be that who knows that's what matters is that he's here and he's doing these things which is something that like this book does as well 
but going that taking that extra step further and just like retconning the events of the killing joke in a way just feels like it's kind of offensive <laughs> to the legacy of like a, of a writer you know as prolific as alan moore i mean hey you know jeff johns just tearing down legacies like it's <laughs> fucking free pancakes on pancake day it's so weird and i like, mean hey it's i wouldn't like, i wouldn't be so conflicted about the about the book if it wasn't for that ending everything else is kind of like up in the air but like that ending is so weird to me because it's just it's him unnecessary. just kind of beating the horse that's been dead but since like, 1985 but it's like unnecessary <laughs> like what does that add to every what does that add to the dynamic between joker and batman what does that add to the character of joker and batman oh what's he gonna do go crazy that he's always he gonna protect that innocence i guess well, no, no, no. I mean Joker. Like, what's Joker going to do if he finds out? Oh, he's no, going to okay. go crazy and kill them? Like, is that what's going to happen? He's been doing that for the last, what, fucking 90 years? Okay, 90 years. Like, yeah, no, exactly. Which is yeah. why, like, which is why it doesn't really make for, like, a really stand- big standout Joker story because it's that sort of place that we always circle back to at the end of the day where it's Joker does things because he does things. But then when you add that extra wrinkle of, like, why he does what he does and why he thinks what he thinks... It kind of loses that mystery to it that makes him so appealing, you know. And and it also just makes me like more angry at Bruce as a character because it's like, oh, okay, I did it for them. I did it for just these two people. Okay, cool. What and about not everybody the else? Psych- yeah, what no, yeah. What about the <laughs> the dead children? Millions <laughs> of dead children. Millions. <laughs> Yo, what the fuck? You know what, what I mean? Fuck, like, dog? I did it for them. <laughs> That's what's so the wrong with this. Fucking white privileged piece of shit. <laughs> oh my god! It's a selfish fucking thing to do. Oh my god! I get it. You're you're protecting these two innocents in a way that is that is that is important and that is sweet. I com- I, but oh my god, I completely. But we're dealing with a series that has dealt with so much trauma. I completely because of this buy. one person and his ignorance to kill him. I have always bought the fact that Batman doesn't kill him because he he can't because he has too much pride because he just I buy that <laughs> I buy that a hundred percent. What? <laughs> <laughs> Like, like, <laughs> it's, it's brain dead. It's, I don't understand that. I don't like it. That's the thing. And it's just left in this ambiguous note that we don't even know if they're actually like, if other writers are going to continue it and make it into this canon thing. But I, that, oh God, man, bro, dude, that's like, bro, like, that's such a, a, that's such a pillar of comic book history. That, like, that's not, like, easily rewritten, like... Well, no, that's the thing. They put it under the Black Label book, which, for the most part, is, like, stories that aren't canon. But, like, Johns has been on some record saying that it is canon, so who the fuck knows going forward? I I think, like... I don't like that! I I I don't like it! I think it's one of those cases where, like, DC and Jeff Johns, they're clearly butting heads, and, like, any time, like... They're like they're publicly talking about it since Jeff Johns is literally the like he he's kind of like the face of like kind of like writing in DC. It's like yeah, well, I'd it's say, definitely oh, okay, happening. Yeah. It's yeah, uh, well, he's yeah, just yeah. In, <laughs> very insistent about it. And then each time he insists about it, they have like a meeting about they have a, a, like a three hour <laughs> meeting about it later. <laughs> like it's like it's like a kid playing in the sandbox and like his mom told him not to keep playing. Timmy, 
Stop throwing eyes at Alan's face. Timmy, stop! You're beating up Alan! Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, like it, we need to. It hurts, man. It's like, we need to neutralize Jeff Jones. I'm kidding. No, we don't. <laughs> but, like, Get I don't that, know. Can we, I don't know. Can we, like, stage a coup in DC or something? <laughs> like, well, apparently he's not working on as many, like, writing, like, writing duties. He's not, he's not writing a bunch of stuff as, he, as he's um, been in the past. I just think. Because he was doing that and, like, Doomsday Clock took two years, man. It got delayed by two years. It's just the idea that, like, Jeff Johns is just so drunk with power that, like, he just overtly just, like, denies any of the requests DC makes of their characters. It's like... No, not even that. Just, like, just Alan Moore specifically. It's like going into Alan's house and being like, hey, this is nice. And he just takes all his, like, it just robs Alan's house and it beats the shit out of him and kicks him in the nuts. Hey, don't get me wrong. Alan Moore's <laughs> fucking annoying. Don't get me wrong. But like, no, he's funny. He's hilarious. He's funny as no, hell, he's though. hilarious. <laughs> and he's a fantastic writer. At the end of the and day, and a super commie. But <laughs> no, I mean, he worships like a spider god. I don't even know. Does he really? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Oh, yeah. Shit. He worships like he worships like it's not Scientology, but it's like cooler. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, I've been because uh... it's like with Lovecraft monsters well i don't know if that makes it cooler actually you know the like, youtube uh, you know? no that makes it hard as fuck are you kidding me that's cool as fuck what do you mean um, i'm thinking of the racism uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'm like maybe not that Jesus. hot okay. maybe not um <laughs> the fucking um i lost my train of thought <laughs> i lost my train of thought hard as fuck jesus christ uh, oh batman I is was, selfish as fuck i was watching um i've been watching uh a youtube channel called biographics um, mm, okay. they, they do like I've heard about this channel. Yeah, they do like uh like biography videos on different people, Marco Polo, Guinness Khan, you know that, that kind of thing. I and sometimes mm-hmm. they do it on like more modern people, more modern people that have had like some effect in history. They haven't, they haven't done like comic book writers yet, and like I feel like that's such like in terms of just like content for like documentary series or like just in general, the comic book industry oh, doesn't yeah. get as much. Uh, as much um, attention when it comes to like just like you know the shady uh, the shady like business practices or just like the people like the crazy minds behind these characters well you get them well you get them with like the most prolific ones like Stan Lee and Jack Kirby there's a bunch of documentaries on them but not something like not like on someone like Frank Miller or Alan Moore who have like really like who have really strong ideologies that like that res that like that are are, are, are they're still like being uranium. impacted today. It's like radiation. They're still being. <laughs> it's like radiation yeah. from something. Something emits radiation. <laughs> like their ideologies are there. It's like just it, it, it's just so ingrained in it, you know. And like DC so ex- was so accepted accepted. Uh, oh, sorry, they were so accepting of that kind of uh, of those kind of stories back then because like you know we weren't getting those we weren't getting those really boundary pushing uh, boundary pushing comics, but like now yeah. You know, it, it, but like now, you know, like we have like these people who like kind of like made some of like the most, you know, dense and uh, some of the most dense and like, and like just beautifully told. Some of the greatest ever. works in like literature yeah, in the we, past we like know, 20, 30 years. Those, those individuals, you know, and are, sure, it's a comic book, but like for fuck's sakes, you're going to tell me that Neil Gaiman Sandman or Alan Moore's Miracle Man or Watchmen. You're gonna or Frank tell Miller's me Dark Knight Returns is like not in the same level as like some really good literature of the past like no you know, few decades. You're gonna tell me that those people don't deserve to get like a, a history lesson. 
Like, exactly. I'm not even, like, I'm not even gonna lie, bro. Like, we should push like the history of comic books, like, in, yeah. like schools, because like there's a lot there. Like, there, there's the thing is, so the much. thing is, there there's stuff out there, but it's not as like it's not as accessible or it's not as known. Like, comic book confidential. Whenever you get the chance to watch it, it's I a will. fantastic documentary that like only delves into a sliver of some of the of some of the things that make those great creators tick. You know, we what makes get... their brain tick. But it's so good, man. We just need like, we need we just need like a, a widely accessible like do, like a good documentary series that really like takes like the comic book industry like you know like stories like in there. We need John Green, bro. We need John Green to come up with comic book crash course. Fuck no, dude. Kids learned their shit from Crash Course. I learned history from cl- Crash Course. You know, as a ch- kid growing up. I'm not the biggest fan of like, John Green, so <laughs> I, I neither am I anymore. But you know, I just haven't read his work in a while. But like, still, it's that like it's it's just it's just not put in a popular light. And I guess I don't know because it's still comic books. But like these we works learn, are so we learn about Greek you know? gods. Why can't we learn about comic book characters? They're the modern Greek gods. Yeah, they, it's they're, they're it's modern. They're modern mythologies. Yeah, they, I mean, it's just you know, like like you know, people like. I, I would say, like, oh, yeah, the modern-day Zeus is Superman. Superman's dead. Glass was right. Yeah. <laughs> like, Glass was right I mean, at the yeah, end of the day. Yeah, as horrible as fucking Glass was, yeah, Glass... They were... Oh, no, I'm talking about the, the Glass character, but sure, that too. Oh, yeah, but, like, yeah. yeah. Glass was right, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. just, you know... <laughs> um... But, yeah, it's just... it it It's a shame that there's not that much for it, but at the end of the day, you know, like, I would say... Seek this out if this interests you. It's not a bad story. It's just very, very divisive in some aspects of it. More so, you know, some more so than others. And if anything, if this angers you, fuck it. Just go read The Killing Joke. Because that's technically more canon than this one And that's one a masterpiece. Right you know, and that's a masterpiece. That's fantastic. Like an actual masterpiece. It's one of the best Batman stories ever. It's one of the best stories ever written. Yeah, exactly. You know? I've been before before we go on to to talk about the whaling. I wanted I just wanted to say this one thing. You, my my mind started going nuts now when you started mentioning you know just like bringing up more like big profile spotlights on these creators and it's a, I was watching a documentary about the making of Dark Knight Returns and the thing that pisses me off the most about watching it it was like something that was produced it within DC inside DC for like I think it's thirty fifth anniversary or something like that. You know Lynn Varley, right? Lynn it, Varley. You don't have to type it up. It, he, he, she's, she was a constant uh, collaborator with Frank Miller. She was a colorist and, and an inker at some points in, uh, throughout some of his best works. And they were also married for a while. And in the documentary, she, I mean, she did the coloring for... She did the inking and coloring for Dark Knight Returns. And that's literally like the, the, probably the most iconic... One of the most beautiful like water color. watershed like colors that you could see with so much vivid... like. Art Deco European detail. That's beautiful. And she's not even in the documentary. They don't even interview her. And they interview Klaus Jansen, who actually... Yeah, he was the colorist, uh, or the inker, I want to say. Or the letterer in the, in the project. And and Frank, obviously, because he wrote it. But they, they don't even go out of their way to, like, talk to her. And she's one of those people who is, like... Her work is so severely underappreciated. When you look at stuff, I'm gonna send you a picture from a book that I've been obsessing over with for the last couple of months, and I'm I'm, I'm finally gonna start reading it soon because I, I was able to get the copy a copy of it. 
uh, there's a story called Electra Lives Again, which was made apparently it start it was it was being made around the same time that uh, Frank Miller was and Frank and Lynn were working on Dark Knight Returns, and I think a little bit before uh, he went over to Dark Horse with. Uh, this and with uh, 300 and Sin City. I, I've always loved the cover of that one. Oh yeah, the simple white cover with just her where her profile. Mm-hmm. I'm se- look at your iMessage. I'm going to send you something here. It's a sequence of Matt walking down the stairs. And I want you to guess what exactly is Frank Miller and what exactly is Lynn Varley. I mean, it's hard. For those of you wanting to look at this up, it's like a, it's a picture of Matt just walking down the stairs, and it looks like it's one of those endless loops that's going that's just swirling like, down, like, like this what like element, endless hellhole. What elements of it, like, is it's? What do you think Frank drew, and what do you think Lynn drew? Uh, I mean, I'm more familiar with Frank, so I'd I'd say most of it, but that would be the that he would drew be the layman Matt's answer. body. <laughs> he drew Matt, and he drew the staircase. Everything else is all colored by Lynn Varley. So she, all the backgrounds, the bed, the globe in the back, like all the little details, the checkerboard as it's getting smaller and smaller, the windows, the lighting of the windows, that's all her. Frank Miller, Frank like like just that art style in general, what they were what they were what they did together, it's so specific and like it gives and such, iconic. It, it's it, it, iconic and it gives such like it's the closest thing to like CD underbelly that you can get yeah. with like art. Like, you know, like it's, it, I think it's like the, well, it's not the closest thing. Perfect, that's, too, like, that's too much of a finality, but like, you know, you know what I mean? No, but it's like, it's for me, it's like the closest thing to like Will Eisner's art in, in like modern day storytelling, you know, but it's done in such a unique just, way that like, it feels a little bit more European and it's just more, <laughs> it just more grisly, you know, like the characters look fucked up. The characters look like disheveled in a way. But like with so much human weight towards it, oh, dude, that like, it feels really real. Oh, dude, like there was nothing. There's nothing I, I would. I would. There's nothing I wouldn't do to like get like a poster like that Frank Miller, a Frank Miller art, art style. Yeah. you know, it's so good, and it's so. And and the thing is with her, she literally colored so much of it. It's so. It's and it's fucking beautiful. And it and it's insane that like nobody talk like when everybody brings up a conversation about Frank Miller. Obviously, you know he's fantastic. He's done incredible work, but you gotta bring up the stuff that like he, that she did as well because it's just like, as important. It's, it's almost like a yin and yang thing. You need that, yeah. you know. It's just as important. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. You know, it's but I digress. You know, Batman Three Jokers that's out there. I think it's coming out in hardcover like later this month. So maybe get that if you want. It's great art. Story is like a little bit out there, but it's a it's a great cheeseburger. That's what I'll say. It's a great cheeseburger with like a little bit of shit on the on the bun, but that's it. The whaling well, on the end of the bun, but yeah. Let's talk about the whaling. Yeah. I saw it last night. When did you watch it? You saw it last night too. Uh, a few days ago. Finished okay. it a few days ago. What is the whaling? You 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 go off on this. Who directed this? What what's it about? What's what's the what's the what's the what's the sitch? So is that the thing from Kim Possible? Yeah. What's yeah. the sitch? Uh, the Wailing is a 2016 horror film directed by Na Hong Na Hong Jin, who is uh who is of South Korean descent, and actually it wow, wow he he kind of really 
Oh wait, no, never mind, never mind. All right. Um, <laughs> okay. No, no, yeah, no. I, I was gonna go off on a tangent, but no, no, that, that was my mistake. Uh, yeah, Nang Hong Jing. Na- Nang Hong Jing. He is a uh, he is a South Korean filmmaker who's made films in the past, like The Yellow Sea, Sweat, The Chaser, The Perfect Fish Plate, and he's telling a story about a suspicious about a su- about a little town who goes into hysteria when a disease starts making the villagers go crazy and kill their families. Um, it's obviously, well, obviously it's a pretty, it's pretty brutal, uh, pretty brutal plot synopsis. And uh, this film stars Kwak Don, Kwak Don Wan, Chun Woo Hee, Huang Jung Min, Kim Hwan Hee. I'm not familiar with, my, I'm not familiar with a lot of these actors. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not. Jun Kinam, uh, Kinamura, the Japanese man is someone you may know. He's from, he's from Kill Bill. Really? One and two, yeah. He plays Tanaka. Is he... Oh, he's from Audition too. Ichi the Killer, Hard Boiled. I've so seen... he's done some stuff with. I've seen him before multiple him. times. Like he, yeah, I, I remember him being in Ichi the Killer, but I don't remember him being in Kill Bill. Is he? Uh... Plays Tanaka. I don't know if that's the trainer, or if that's one of the. I thought that was the or guy. If that's somebody is who's that the... like part of the Crazy Eighty Eight. Is that the guy? The crazy Eight. Was that the guy that uh, who who made her sword? Oh, it could be. Let me. I'm looking it up. I'm searching it oh, up yeah. right now. Um, it's basically, and the story follows specifically, uh, Kwak Don Wan. The guy who gets his head cut off by Lucy Liu. Hey, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. There we go. definitely. I remember that bald head anywhere. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kwak Don Don Wan is following, uh, mostly him. And he is a police officer in, you know, in the small village. And he's just trying to like, trying to figure out what's going on. You know, he's kind of an incompetent fool. Uh, he's really bad at his job. He's uh, really bad at his job, kind of super selfish. He lets his emotions out on a regular basis and isn't really professional at all. And, yeah, the movie just... I think the biggest the biggest thing I could say about this movie is that eventually the buildup, as much as there is buildup, eventually when it gets there, it's there at 100%. When when the film finally is living up to kind of like the hype and the buildup that it's like kind of, that it's been kind of sprinkling along the entire film, I feel very satisfied. It feels very satisfying, you know. Like I'd say the third act of this film is probably the best part of the movie. No, the first and second act. Yeah, I'd say the same. The first and second act. Eh, it's not amazing. It's not great. It's just very slow to me. It, it's That's slow. Yeah. It. it, it yeah, it's slow. There's a lot, you know. It's a two and a half hour movie, so like it's two and a half hours. It definitely takes its time. You're building up these characters and their relationships, and it's very important that these characters are fleshed out because the uh, family dynamics between all of them is super important later later on for the story. Um, yeah, like yeah, like you, you agree. Like it's 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 not a bad movie at all. It's it, it's a, it's a very good. It's 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 very it's a very. Uh, it's uh what, what what's the term? It's a very capable film, I'd say. Yeah. Um I yeah. look, like for me, I I didn't really know what to expect going in. I knew it was a horror movie that had like some uh festival praise when it came out. I didn't really know anything else about it. I I knew nah, obviously I I'm not super like I love South Korean cinema, but I don't really know, you know, a lot of directors or like cast members aside from like the stuff that I've seen. But with something like this, it was it felt fairly like simple. It felt like we were gonna go into a, a pretty simple route, as this was just like this long-term uh, ghost story. But it felt like 
there were points where it just wasn't going to go there and it was going to be something a little bit more and I thought that was more intriguing than like more like the supernatural stuff even though visually when you're watching the supernatural stuff happening it's fantastic and it's really really intense like even though like some things kind of come off as like unintentionally silly like I don't know I feel like the first shaman ritual where he's just throwing rice at the girl's face <laughs> is kind of funny like it's like not I don't think they, that was the intention but it's just kind of reminded me of like Dave Chappelle as Rick James where he's just walking around he's like I'm gonna throw some rice in your face bitch <laughs> Jesus Christ just doing a little think, dance and cutting chicken I think a lot of I think like the I, I, a lot of the film has to do with shamanism and I think a, I think a lot of uh, a lot of like the shaman rituals are like actual like real traditional South Korean uh, Korean uh, rituals and such um, I know it just felt like it, it just felt like it was trying to be put in this sort of comedic It felt lighthearted, way, kind of, which a it, little. Yeah, and it's and it's. I, I feel like that probably wasn't the case, but that was just my you know reaction towards it. I think it's just the like. I think it's just like the the general like uh, genre mixing that goes into like South Korean cinema, you know. Yeah, I mean, and then like there's just my there's just my history with Exorcist scenes where it's like some of them kind of look silly, you know, when they just don't well, like not when they don't work, but like you know sometimes when you're shooting it in a certain way framing in, in certain things like the reactions you get from actors kind of feels like it's a little bit sillier than than what you would expect it's very from, yeah, like, like yeah you know, i'd say it's like, a normal or a typical exorcism scene on in, in a film yeah sure I, I bro i will say um uh this guy's daughter the little girl in the film forgot her name she's great fantastic she's she's yeah, wow she's great. she she really she, um kim Hwan he he she plays hyojin she is she's a little girl in this movie genuine she's genuinely fantastic like she she she's probably one of the best performances in the film to be honest she she has she's she has the most range out of anybody she's no she has to do she has to work a lot because she's like she obviously she's playing a little girl but then you know she's the 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 ex, the girl who's being you know possessed. Yeah, she's like yeah for most of like, it. Yeah, she she she's the ghost girl. You know, like she's a yeah, and she plays it. She plays it pretty well. Yeah, like it, well, no, there's another ghost girl. Yeah, I don't know if you there's a there, yeah there's a few there, there, there's a few characters in this film. Um, everybody, I wouldn't say everybody's rememberable. Uh, rememberable is that a, is that a word? No, memorable. 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 What the fuck? Rememberable. What the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> wow, that was a fucking horrible brain fart. I'm so sorry. It's fine. Um, it's fine. Not really. Everybody's like super memorable in terms of in terms of like just the entire like everybody in the village. Uh, definitely specific characters like the shaman, the Japanese man, um, uh, the little girl. They're they are the mysterious all, woman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're all um, they're all great. But like then there's like characters like oh like the side uh, the deputies kind of like the that uh that that were the most bumbling cops that i've seen in like a film oh my god in a while. fucking idiot cops that don't know what they're doing at they, all they suck dude they're so it's bad. Kind of bad it's kind of insane <laughs> like there's what there's a scene where uh one of like uh the main character gets attacked by by one of the infected people who's who's like going crazy and this guy the the main character the dude's huge the dude he's a big dude he 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 looks like he could yeah. probably he could probably like throw somebody if he wanted to. The guy was getting fucking they tackled down like, like it's nothing. Yeah. It's insane. It's yeah. fucking insane. Like just constantly trying to like the like you just see the fucking like zombie monster whatever just trying to like like strangle him or do whatever the fuck and he's just there screaming doing nothing. 
ah, 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 felt like grabbing felt, his wrists. <laughs> like, like, like. <laughs> it felt like if the Scooby Gang was actually gonna fight one of their monsters, and like the monster was yeah. just like super, super overpowered. You know? Yeah, dude. Like, whoa, Scooby! Like, it felt like you could add cartoon sounds in the way like they just fall and like get their face like chewed on. Yeah, or man. Like and it's it's like it's like you're it's a group of five against one person. How easy is it? And, like, it's so easy to just gang up on this one zombie. And it's not a performance <laughs> issue. It's not a performance issue. It's more of a... I think it's more of no, a direction it's issue. It's more of just like... Yeah, like, they... They're just... I, I, I just don't... I don't know. I wouldn't... I wouldn't have them be screaming like that. <laughs> you know? Like, if getting attacked <laughs> by a monster, like, I feel like... As policemen, they would... I don't know, beat the fuck out of him or something like <laughs> it's that it's that scene from it's that it's that vice clip that I've been seeing on uh, on Twitter where it's just a bunch of guys uh, uh just beating the shit out of this one dude. It's like fight back, fight back. It's like right there in the in, in the playground. You haven't seen that clip? I think so. I think it's just oh, it's just a brutal just, wait, wait, it's it's a, a brutal okay. gang assault. Oh it, the gang initiation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's just beating the fuck out of him. Yeah, dude. Like I uh, there are scenes in this film where like the like little like the the intense sequences between like the the demon monster zombies whatever the fuck they are, uh, um, uh-huh. there there are sequences where like it's it, it's really fucking like it, it's intense like it, it's visceral like like you know I'm with it like I actually feel like I feel scared for the characters and then there's just then there's other fucking silly ass scenes where it's just literally it kind of felt a little too silly for 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 me yeah. but then again it, it could be a culture thing could be but the, yeah. the thing is it turns around at the oh, end oh my god oh because my god. like whoa, oh whoa, let's fucking good oh yeah no because like all good south korean cinema everything just goes super bleak. for some reason and it's just super sad for some reason <laughs> at least from like the south korean cinema i've seen the third act they fucking crank it up to fucking Nine hundred, <laughs> like, f- oh my god! All right. You never get stuff like this from like from films in the U.S. You know, like yeah. you get your typical horror ending where like things are kind of bad, and then you have like the cliffhanger of like, oh my god, Freddy's still back or something like that. But it's you never really get a movie that ends with like everyone is dead, everyone is hopeless. This is all sad, and you're you're going to feel sad. Drink, it, the director says. Drink. <laughs> it's just like the the movie genuinely like. Towards the end of it, and I finally, I guess, like, you finally get a good sense of what the director was going for. I felt that evil. I felt... Yeah. I felt I felt like that just, that genuine, like, evil and, like, bad vibes that you get from movies like The Exorcist or, like, or, like, Hereditary. Where you just kind of, like, after, you're just kind of like, oh, my God. Like, I, I feel, like, sick under my skin, you know? Like... It's, it's more in line with, like, something like Hereditary... For me, than Exorcist because Exorcist at least ends on a somewhat good note. I mean that no, that, well, like, no, the good prevail. Well, no, I mean, oh, okay. I, and I'm talking about in the just sense, the feeling you yeah, got. I'm just talking about in the sense of like okay. just kind of the energy that the movie gives off. You know, it's just like yeah. where, it, where there's some horror film where there's like, like you know like oh Friday the Thirteenth or something where it's like yeah it's a horror film but like you know it's not really it's just oh you know fucking zombie dude just killing fucking horny teens whatever when something like Hereditary or something like The Exorcist it's like no this film this film feels like possessed. It feels like I'm not supposed to watch this, you know? And yeah. that's kind of how I felt Oof, by yeah. the end of The Wailing. When I guess, like, we, we've kind of been, like, tiptoeing around spoilers. But if you want to... You're okay with spoilers? I'm sure. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, fucking... 
I would say before we get into it, I do want to say it's a really good. Uh, what I found more interesting than like the supernatural stuff is this, or where the themes of like ostracization and uh, tribalism that came to like having this one random Japanese outsider. man who is who was uh, yeah an outsider who was convicted of a crime, basically be like, you know, accused immediately of being this evil person and a threat to society. With, with, like, very little, well, I mean, with some sort of evidence, but it's, like, it, it's done in this really weird, shady way that, like, you can't really tell if this is a person that's doing it or not. And I find that, I found that more interesting than just, like, oh, is he really a demon or not? Is he really a ghost or something like that? No, yeah. And, I, and I, more I... interesting of the fact that, like, oh, okay, we're just dealing with, like... We're we're just dealing with like kind of like a like a mini race war, and like in a way, and like yeah, and like I I think like bringing up his bringing up his heritage, like bringing up bringing up like where he's from, you know, like Japanese, you know, there's I, there's a lot of implied there's a there's a lot of implied baggage that came from the dynamics between the Japanese man and like the rest of the village because you know you know knowing I was thinking, your history, I was thinking of well, jo- yeah. I was thinking of Joseph. <laughs> I was thinking of Joseph while I was watching this. Just like the racism. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forgive the Japanese. That's what it. That's what it looks. That's what it's reminding me. I mean, me of hey man, like it's and it's like hey man, this is this is that, but taken in a really sad, serious it's route. Like, where it, oh okay, you're gonna fuck, you're gonna get fucked up for doing shit like that. You it's know? A, that's it's a sad thing to say, yeah, but like it, it yeah. is true. Like you know, you 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 kind of forget like a lot of people still hold a lot of those like past uh, past. Uh, grievances past grievances to, to you know to, like racism to is heart. still existing yeah you know? like um still going on today uh it's literally literally what what watchman hbo talked about uh the um genetic uh, what is it genetic uh genetic trauma i think that's what yeah the genetic tra- yeah that was the term the genetic trauma uh of like you know where your people from and like you know what one's people did to another that like that holds back a group of people more than I feel like a lot of people want to want to realize, and that's I feel like that's a big point of this film. Him being him being the Japanese man in a village full of South Koreans is super well, Koreans in general. Um, it's super. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it, it's super. There's a there there's a very specific point being made in making him Japanese. That it's very tense and in a way kind of like unfortunately timely. It, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it, it, it reflects. It could easily be reflected on you know just like prejudice in general. As much as you don't like to, as much as you don't like to see it, like those pre- those real life prejudices are, exist, and they're very yeah. very ingrained into a lot of into a lot of people's like way of thinking. And then again, like it's like we talk about a lot of this, but then like I don't know where the director stands on it, because that thing we mm. talked about where they do double down, they double down hard as fuck. Like towards like you want to get into spoilers. I, guess I feel like you're. I feel like you want to get right into. Yeah, it. I, I, I guess the, the point is, it's a good movie. Recom- if good you're, movie. If you're yeah, pretty long, but if you're into that, yeah, yeah. If you're into foreign cinema, that's pretty good. Yeah. If you if you're just interested in watching more South Korean films in general, just foreign cinema, I definitely recommend it. Um. So yeah. yeah. Uh, spoilers. So yeah, when the film kind of doubles down, and it it's revealed that it turns out the Japanese man is actually Satan. Like is actually yeah. a fucking demon, like like you know, uh, fucked up, like fucked up, grotesque skin, dirty, f- dirty, awesome long, scene. 
fingernails, the horns. Awesome scene. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. And just like taunting the. You policemen. see it earlier. Oh no, not the policeman. You sorry, see it earlier in the film. Please. Did you? I'm sorry for interrupting, no. but um, you see it earlier in the film. Did you realize in the second shaman ritual from the other guy from uh from the guy um trying to exercise the daughter, you see like these weird. Uh, I'm I'm pointing like I, I'm doing this visually, obviously, but you see like these weird, really, um, well angled points in his neck that start stretching out more. I think I noticed that. almost as if he's getting like horns on the bottom of his head, on the bottom of his uh of his fi- like yeah, like in the bottom of his yeah. cheekbones. They're like expanding during that ritual. No, yeah, that. So like like they kind of already had that foreshadow at that point. Yeah, I I feel like I oh, dude and like. I feel like the the whole the whole ostracization uh, theme of the film, where like you know it's not like you know it's not in good faith to uh, attack some you know to uh, kind of bur- like bring down another person uh, because they're an outsider because they're from a foreign land or from they're from whatever, you know, I get maybe that's what the director was trying to go for, but when it comes to him actually doubling down. And making the Japanese man actually Satan and actually like the evil spirit behind the entire film and like what literally, literally the evil the the entire film was about is you know is this Japanese man? I kind of start to wonder what the filmmaker's stance on at least these points we're making is. You know, whether or not he kept whether or not our takeaways of the film is something that's reflected on what his original intentions were. That's, you know, that I, remains to I, be said, but, like... Yeah, because uh, I think it's more of a you-kind-of-get-what-you-wish-for type of type of beat. Okay. At the yeah, end of the day. Okay. Where it's, like, more of a cautionary tale. You keep poking this stick, you keep fucking with this person, of course you're going to get some sort of consequence thrown That's a good takeaway, yeah, yeah. You know? The, 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 yeah, whether yeah. it is, you know, the actual devil or not, or if it's just, you know, a guy getting revenge on literally days upon days of being you know pushed to the side and being treated like a monster you know that's how i that's that's what i kind of took away from it even though like it is kind of weird when you just point him as like the actual devil at the end of the mo- uh, at the end of the day but like uh, that's that's what i that's what i uh, thought was really interesting I, it's just like that that's uh, where like that's where i kind of took like the whole crux of it uh, it's just like, like cause for fuck's sake he just kills his dog you yeah. know <laughs> he just breaks down his house multiple times kills his dog you're expecting what nothing of course you're gonna get something back. Yeah, and like, you know? and like the the whole film, like it, it's kind of like these characters are s- extremely flawed individuals who like they have clear they have clear um, character flaws in them as people, and in reality, like a lot of them, they're digging their own grave, especially especially with uh, with our main character, who quite literally killed his own entire family because yeah. of his actions. You know, and it's it's super. It's also that 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 theme of temptation that they they delve in a little bit too, where it's like you don't know who to trust, but do you stick with the ghost lady who is kind of like this neutral um, character throughout the story, telling you don't wait until the third rooster crows. Go with the flow. Yeah, go with the flow. Just wait. This will be resolved. Just do not interfere. And then, you know. Dealing with someone who you thought who who you've initially put your trust in, and um and him saying get to the house now now, because you know something bad's gonna happen if you don't get here as soon as possible. Honestly, that it's, yeah, that it's that it's that sort of thing of like blind faith and temptation that is so scary at the same time, 
which I wish they could have done a little bit. I feel like they did a little bit more of, but the movie's so long, I kind of forget some parts. That thing you pointed out, bits and pieces of when it uh, points in. That yeah, when it brings it up. That that thing you pointed out about um about how when they double down and you know reveal that the Japanese man is a demon, how that's like more of a cautionary message. Um, now, Leah, now that I'm really sitting down and thinking about it, it's like, yeah, then, yeah, that, that, that really does, that really does, uh, ring true. Um, the, uh, like, you know, the, the ghost, uh, lady is kind of just like pushing him to, pushing him to kind of take things one step at a time and think, and think of things like as pragmatic, well, he's trying to get her, trying to get him to like, you know, like comply. And instead of just rushing, rushing to it, like you were rushing before to attack the, to attack the Japanese man, yeah. you know, like just give it a second and be patient and everything will be fine. And like in the end of the day, it was his own undoing that it, it was his own, it was his own hand that, you know, provided his undoing, you know, like it, 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 yeah, it, it was, uh, fuck around and find out. Yeah. Literally fuck around and find <laughs> out. Actually, we, we put in, we put in these like really dumb mundane, like terms of this, like to describe it in a simpler manner, but like there's no other, sometimes there's no other, there's no better way to describe yeah, it. Fuck around and find sometimes. out. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, man, it's, it's a really good movie. It's a, it's a, I enjoyed it. I'm glad yeah, I watched good, it. Good. Yeah. yeah. Glad. It just makes me appreciate South Korean cinema more because of just how unrelentless they are. Oh yeah. They don't give a fuck <laughs> at all. Yeah. yeah. They're yeah. great. I love it. You say you didn't want to... Uh, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. So, uh, quick change of plans for uh, next week's show. Yeah, it'll come out next week, I hope. Uh, I have movies to recommend, but right now, given our, my, like that we're like two weeks away from ending school, and I'm in the midst of final projects and just general stress. I want to die. You know, because how can you <laughs> not be? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But um, I thought... I thought we'd take um, I thought we'd take a little detour in terms of a topic for next week's show, in terms of a subject of next week's show, and not focus it on a, a specific movie or a television show or project or piece of media, and just kind of have a nice little theme of you know the holidays are coming up. Makes me like the holidays remind me of you know when things used to be good, when things are normal, when things are they feel normal. Oh Raul, we probably oh talk- Raul, <laughs> things were never good. <laughs> <laughs> it was always bad but um next week i i, I just figured i would probably bring up a conversation to just talk about um just our favorite things in the holiday whether it be you know watching specific holiday movies our favorite holiday movies our favorite holiday traditions what we typically watch read or, or do during the holidays where it's you know thanksgiving now, or christmas or even halloween that we didn't really get to celebrate as much define holiday this year, given coronavirus well i'm saying any sort of holiday okay. so christmas Yom Kippur, if you, Yom you know, Kippur. like eh, all sorts of, what is that? yeah, Jewish holiday. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 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 um, you know, Easter, all that sort of stuff. Like what, what makes, what, what sort of things do you do during the holidays that make you, you know, that make it fun for you? Like, what do you watch? What do you read? What do you, what do you do? You know, that's in, in relationship to, in relation to media, because that's mainly what we talk about on this show. And I'm going to put a, I'm going to put a question out there on Twitter we're gonna both put um uh, that uh, like questions out there on our twitters so you guys can join in on the conversation and we could get some of your takes as well, on you know what's what what does what does the holiday mean for you, as a media consumer? Uh, my my favorite thing my favorite thing to do on Fourth uh, of July is just you know go out to the beach, swim over to Cuba and start conquering some lands you know for the good nice. old American yeah, imperialists you know yeah. Uh, 
honestly, that's all you kind of need at the end of the day. Yeah. Some good old imperialism. imperialism. But yeah, it's <laughs> it's nice. Um, it's not. That that's that, yeah, I know it's not. <laughs> that's that that's what we're gonna talk about next week. Just gonna keep things on a light note. You know, if the holidays are coming, it feels like hopefully it feels like better days are ahead. Yeah. Hopefully the virus, you know, the virus is gone and or like we get a vaccine soon and. Things will start to feel a little bit better, yeah. You know, for the world. And if you don't, ce- yeah. So and if you don't celebrate do any holidays, you shouldn't die. No, I mean that. Or like, what's your favorite atheist th- like traditions? You know, <laughs> you shouldn't uh, die. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that shit's funny. Yeah. But yeah, that's what we're gonna talk about next week. Um, you know, what? I'll probably just save off questions for for next episode because we're running a little bit long, and I gotta I gotta finish this paper. So. That's it for us. We're done. So it went a little bit longer than we thought, but hey, honestly, it's fun to talk about uh, like Batman and Daredevil because it's it's just it's just fun to point I, out how fucking yeah. I, I want to do like a <laughs> I want to do like a whole uh, I want to do a, like a specific episode like just getting like getting into like a mental set me, mental study on some of our favorite characters. Yeah. Whether it be like yeah. someone like Batman, whether it be someone like Daredevil, or some or fucking yeah, let's go let's get fucking wild. I want to get into deep into like somebody like. I don't know, Sandman or like, uh, like a Morbius, retrospective. You know? yeah, yeah. yeah. No, uh, that, that's something we could do in the future yeah. that, so, yeah, maybe it kind of starts off with this holiday thing. Cause like we definitely read a lot during the holidays. Yeah. I, that's when I, I mean, usually dude, get I, my, my fill. I mean, Hey, I, I see your stack of books here. I'm like, God, damn. Yeah, I, 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 I barely made a dent. Well, okay. I'm almost yeah. finished with like, I'm almost finished with like the two, the two philosophy books. I, I got, uh, the Prince and, uh, Art of War. Yeah, I should have finished that like a while ago, but I've just been too busy with everything. I kind of leave. I kind of yeah. leave reading to either really early in the morning or really late at night. Whenever I have free time, I just go on my Kindle and I just start like reading some books there on my hoopla app. Yeah, I can't do Kindle. Yeah, like I want, like I want to get a Kindle, but like I feel like with a Kindle, it gives me less incentive to read. Really for, interesting. For me. It makes it more comfortable for me. No, it probably I, is. I've just been so comfortable with reading on a tablet. It probably is, but like, it's just physically holding the book. Like, I feel like it puts me in the zone. You get me? Yeah. No. It, well, that's the same way I feel about the Kindle too. When I do that. Yeah. But I get you on that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's the end of the show. Where can we find you, buddy? You want to keep on? You can find me at Summer Old Cruise on Twitter. Where can we find you? You can find me at Vikwanokava on Twitter, and you can find the show at American Nerds. That's at American Nerds. American Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and anywhere you find podcasts. In fact, uh, you could probably you yeah. could probably be listening to this on fucking Pandora. I don't fucking know. Um, I think we're on Pandora. Yeah, yeah. right. I want to say we're on Pandora. Yeah, something like you that. You know, I want to try to get us on Anchor because apparently that's pretty good too. You know, Anchor. Uh, yeah, FM. the the like the, the specific like podcast. Uh, it's like the mobile podcast. App. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, you could record podcasts on on your phone there. And that's interesting. Yeah. I, I gotta look more into that. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure we've but, gotten. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we've gotten like emails about it. Like hey, make make shows Probably, make shows yeah. for anchor. Yeah. Your show's valued. <laughs> so, yeah, and and that's about it. Like if you want to send us something on the emails, emails. That's right. Yeah, send us some, something something on our Twitter. Send us something on our emails at americanerdspodcast at gmail dot com. That again is at americanerdspodcast at gmail dot com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. One last time at AmericanNerdsPodcast.gmail.com. At at <laughs> Fucking it. Well, you know what? It's in the show notes. You'll get it there. But yeah. I'm just, yeah. I, I was trying to talk over you. <laughs> now, I know you were. That's why. Because my brain was like. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's all good. Y'all take care. Be safe. Um, we'll see you next time, I guess. Peace, y'all. Peace, y'all.